It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, November 23rd, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani inside our New York City studio. It's good to be back. It's good to see all of you. I don't actually see you, but I feel your presence in my life. And my oh my, did I miss you. I guess off the top, I owe you all an apology because two weeks ago was our last show. And at the end of that show, I said that we would be off the following Monday due to my travels back home from Melbourne, Australia. And I said that there would be a special Wednesday show. As you know by now, if you are a regular viewer, listener of the show, there was no Wednesday show. And, and usually, other than the two times that my incredible sons were born, beautiful baby boys, I've never missed a show that I said I was going to do. You've always known in advance. But last week, that wasn't the case. I told you there'd be a Wednesday show, and we had to cancel it. And I know a lot of you are mad. How could you miss the show after UFC 193? How could you miss the show after Holly Holmes' shocking win over Ronda Rousey? How could you miss the show after the biggest event in UFC history, the, the, the head kick knockout heard around the world? We need your show to digest this all. And I got to be honest with you, I needed the show to digest it all. I, I was sitting on my couch on Saturday trying to watch the UFC in Monterey. And I had, a, I had a very hard time. I, I said this on Twitter. I wasn't ready to move on from Holly Holm. I, I wasn't ready to put that in the rearview mirror. I wasn't mentally, spiritually, emotionally ready to start thinking about Diego Sanchez at 145 or Neil Magny taking a fight on short notice or Henry Cejudo's chance to fight for the belt. I, I just wasn't ready. And it kind of hit me afterwards. I needed the show to digest it all. I needed that outlet. And so I understand where you all are coming from. And look, I, I'm, a, I'm a loyal podcast viewer, listener myself, different sports, different forms of entertainment. And I rely on those podcasts to take things in, to make sense of things, to, 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 to kind of like, you know, oh, okay, now it all makes sense. Okay, now I can move on from this, you know, to digest it all. And I left you hanging. And I'm sorry, it killed me. No one was more upset about me missing last week, especially it wasn't a ho-hum event. It was historic. Look what's happened since. It's unbelievable. No one was more mad about that than me. Trust me. No one felt more guilty about that than me. And I'm typically a guy who feels pretty guilty about things. No one was more upset, sad, remorseful than me. Trust me. Trust me. And I got all your messages, and it, it made me feel good that I was missed. So uh, I appreciate all of that. And again, I'm sorry for missing last week's show. I will make it up to you. I will explain why we missed last week's show later on in this program, because we got things to talk about here. But there's a good reason for it. There's a very valid reason. And as I've told you time and again, don't doubt me. And you've seen some things that I was doing last week. I got a tour of the new Jackson Wink Gym by Mike Winklejohn. That was a lot of fun, especially being there, you know, just days after Holly Holmes' win in Albuquerque. I I put out a video yesterday. We put out a video yesterday. One of my favorites in a long time. Spoke to many of Holly Holmes' teammates about what the win meant for not only them, but to the team and the city. 
beautiful stuff. Made me tear up watching it. Uh, Casey, EKC, our, our videographer slash editor, uh, nailed it. I mean, it was just beautiful, everything about it. Very proud to have been there and, and, and put something like that out, and, and we don't often get that opportunity. But that's not why I missed the show. There's a reason, and we'll talk about that later. For now, let's make sense of it all. Let's digest it. Let's, let's, let's finally put 193 to bed. I need it. I need to do this. So let's go. Uh, what are we talking about on today's show? Well, of course, in the uh, third hour, we'll hear from you. Hit us up using the hashtag the MMA hour or leave a question or comment in the comment section below. As always, want to hear from you. Want you to help me make sense of what we saw in Melbourne, Australia. At 3.25, we're going to talk to Michael Bisping. He's got a new show on Sirius XM, and uh, he's obviously looking for a fight in probably London in February. So Michael Bisping will stop by at 3.25, 3.05. Invicta FC's Shannon Knapp will stop by to make an announcement about an upcoming event. Some buzz about what's next for Invicta. She'll come on to announce it all. 2.45, we're going to talk to Kimbo Slice and his longtime Manager and friend Mike Imber. Kimbo, of course, facing Data 5000 February in Houston, Texas. 225, we're going to talk to Punk Ass of Tap Out fame about the new Mask documentary and also the business of MMA. I'm very, very interested to hear from Mr. Punk Ass. And at 205, we're going to talk to Ben Askren. He had a, a very strange weekend a couple weekends ago in Singapore prior to his title fight. We'll talk to him at 205, 145. We're going to talk to the head coach over at Kings MMA, Rafael Cordero, master Rafael Cordero. 125, we're going to talk to Jeff Grammer, not a household name, but a reporter for the Albuquerque Journal. I am fascinated by the local angle here uh, as far as Holly is concerned. She is such a big deal. We don't understand just how big of a deal she is. So uh, Jeff Grammer is going to stop by to break it all down for us. But first, let us go to the Sky Machine, a guy who knows a thing or two about Albuquerque and just how big Holly Holm is. One of the greatest minds in the sport today. Did a fantastic job calling the action on Saturday in Monterey. There he is, the one and only Brian Stan. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, and I appreciate the time. I know you're very busy, especially coming back from Mexico, so thank you for a few minutes here. You know, I said at the top, uh, you know, I, I was having a hard time watching the action in Monterey only because I wasn't ready to move on from Holly Holm. I wasn't, it's like, it's like the Super Bowl happening and then there's another big game the following week. I, I needed some more time to digest it all. I know you were working, you're a professional, you're, you're the ultimate pro, but did you kind of feel the same way? No, you know, I didn't feel the same way. I mean, you know, for me, when I see a, an event of that magnitude, um, you know, I obviously wish I was the one calling it. I wish I was there cage side. So, you know, I'm anxious to, to get back in there and, you know, for, for me, from my perspective, when you connect with some of these really young, inexperienced fighters with the backgrounds of some of these young men that came off that Latin America series, they are so hungry. And it's such a big deal to them that it's really exciting to you, as, you know, to me as an analyst to talk to them and to see how much it matters to them and to hear from them how much this whole thing changes their world. You know how far the dollar goes in Peru mm. for Enrique Barzola, you know, and, and what it does. If you watch the footage from his home with his wife and, and, and some of these kids' lives, um, it's pretty cool to even be a small part of that uh, and, and be able to speak to them, to the fans, and hopefully gain them some new fans. So it, it was cool for me. I, I know I have a different perspective than some of the fans who maybe expect to watch more experienced martial artists, but 
um, for me, that's another exciting side of it. This is why I love you, Brian, because that was the perfect answer. And you're 100% right. Uh, it's not fair to those guys to you know, take away anything from them. And, and, and that was a big deal for a lot of those guys. And, and, and this is what I love about MMA, quite frankly. This is what I always tell people. Uh, about the uniqueness of the sport, especially from a journalist perspective, you can have an event every single week for 52 straight weeks, and one event has nothing to do with the other. It's not like game 62 of the regular season in the NBA between the Bucks and the Sixers. That really means nothing in the grand scheme of things. On Saturday night, for those tough fighters, for Henry Cejudo, for Neil Magny, you know, for, for Diego Sanchez, that was the world. That was their world title fight in front of 56,000. So you nailed it, 100%. It was. And, you know, I wish the, the hardest part for me is when I speak to these fighters, I speak to their coaches and I kind of get inside their minds. I wish there was more time for me to, to tell the people about that. You know, what really matters most to them in this particular fight, because we only show the walkouts on fight pass. We only show the walkouts for the main event that steals all my time to say that because there are other walkouts. I'm still speaking with John Anik about those storylines, but that's only seen on the DVD mm. and sometimes on fight pass after the fact. And unless it's a slow fight, I don't really get to get to those things. I have to stick to tactics and what's playing out there. Um, and I don't know if all the fans care or not, but that that's one of the things I wish I could get out because ultimately it, it has nothing to do with me or John or you know the UFC company or the brand or what's next. It has all to do with those two athletes at that moment right there and in and, and trying to build the storyline and, and get them fans and tell people what they're trying to accomplish there. Um, so I, I hope and always wish that for each fight I could try and sneak some of that stuff in there. Yeah, well, you do a fantastic job. Uh, let me ask you three questions about Saturday in Monterey. First things first, did Kelvin Gaslam deserve to win that main event, or did he deserve at least a draw? I believe Neil Magny deserved to win that fight. I had, and now, when I'm calling fights, I am not scoring them. So yeah. if I, I could look it back at that fight and actually watch it as a judge, and when I do watch the judge, I put categories on a sheet of paper and I fill them out as the fight goes. Um, but I had felt at the end of round three, like Neil Magny was up three rounds to none. Um, round four was very close to being a 10-8 round. In my mind, I didn't think it was because it's not boxing where it's only the striking realm. Um, there's more to the fight. There is some grappling involved. Uh, you know, Magny did land some shots in that round as well. So I thought that was still a 10-9 round. Um, but I, I thought it was a very, very close fight. And like I said in the broadcast at the end, which most people probably weren't watching anymore, I wouldn't want to be the welterweight who fights uh, Kelvin Gastelum in a year. Mm. He's very young. He finally understands how to cut the weight, cut the weight well. Um, you know, he's never shown a problem with cardio, but he's never gone five rounds like that. And even the corner, Neil Magny told me after the fight, we expected to win the last three rounds, not the first three. You know, so Kelvin showed that he has more weapons than just athleticism and power. And he's still learning how to fight going backwards. He's still learning how to get inside of reach. He's going to figure all that stuff out, and he's going to be an animal. At the same time, Magny's going to continue to improve. But this is not a fight where you say, okay, you know, Gaslam's never going to contend for the title. No, I, I think he will. And I think this was a really, a really good fight for him where he's at in his career to continue him taking steps towards being more of a professional. Is it in Diego Sanchez's best interest to continue fighting at 145 pounds? Whew. You know, from what I saw when he was when he was weighing in, I would say no. Um, he's you know he's a very determined guy, and he did all of his own weight cut, did it all himself, and he's worked with other people before, but he was a bit stubborn. 
Um, you know, I think his toughness is why he was able to cut that weight. Mm. Not necessarily his process, but I don't know enough to say that definitively. Um, I think he could fight in a lot of weight classes and put on exciting fights. But, you know, the, the fact remains, he, he, he has still been in a lot of wars. Um, and, and I enjoy every single fight he's in. So just, just a ton of credit to him. But uh, I think he, it would be healthier for him to fight at 155. Should Henry Cejudo get the next crack at Demetrius Johnson in Part B, what kind of a shot do you give him? Yes, he should, and I actually give him a very good shot. Hmm. And, and here's here's why. Okay. Um, from what I know about Henry Cejudo, he is a guy, and he's proven this in one of the biggest, if not the biggest stage, right? 2008, he wasn't supposed to win that tournament. He hmm. wasn't supposed to win gold. And when you talk to people close to that situation, he had the tournament of his life. He is an athlete that I think rises to, to his competition and does what he needs to win in competition according to that athlete. So I think when he fights Demetrius Johnson, it will be a better fight than people think it will. Is he on the level of Demetrius Johnson right now? No, he's not. But he can be. And just like Holly Holm showed, <laughs> you know, you never know what kind of jump these special athletes can make when the lights shine brightest. Holly has proven to be an athlete several times in her career who shines brightest when the stage is the largest. And Henry Cejudo has done the same. He's an exceptional athlete. And, and you know, my, my good friend who you've come to know well, George Lockhart said it best because he talked to Henry a little bit after his weight cut to give him some advice because Henry's weight cut, that process is terrible. Mm. Um, and he explained it like this. He said, Henry's always been the guy that runs the mile the fastest. Even though his process to get to weight to run that mile is not good, he's never had to change it. He could eat what he wants. He could be undisciplined because he still has the fastest mile time. But what he doesn't understand is how much faster he'd run that mile if he would improve his process and make it better. Hmm. Um, so it'd be really interesting. And, and, you know, he had said he had George do his reload after he cut the weight. He had said, you know what? This is the best I've ever felt after cutting the weight this fast. I need to use you my whole camp. We'll see if he does that. It could give him an edge. But he wasn't tired in that three rounds for a guy who had a miserable, miserable weight cut. I'm happy you made that connection with Holly Holm because that's another major thing I obviously want to talk to you about. You know Holly quite well. You were obviously a part of that Team Jackson Wink uh, camp for a very long time. When did you first meet her? How long ago? So I first met her in 2008 uh, when I first started training. The first time I ever went down to Jackson Winkle Johns and the, the closest friend I had in the team then was Joey Villasenor, mm. and he was in a serious relationship with Holly at the time. And so they opened their home to me, and for, for I'd say, three or four of my first training camps down there, I would stay there for several weeks instead of staying in the gym, in the dormitories above the gym. Um, and so got to know her quite well during that time, and then obviously the, the several years after that that I had trained there. Um, and look, you keep hearing it from everybody that knows her. She's a very special and unique person. Uh, high character, high octane. She's a workhorse. You know, at that time, she'd wake up early in the morning, go teach an aerobics class, go to the gym and train, go back and work somewhere. You know, you'd come back to the house, she'd redo her cabinets and go back to the gym and train then go back <laughs> to work and do this. And I mean, she's just nonstop. She's all business. If she says, hey, I will meet you tomorrow at 1 p.m., and we'll move your apartment to another apartment. She's going to meet you there 10 minutes early. She's going to move every piece of furniture until the job's done, no matter how long it takes. And then she's going to go right back and, and go get her training session in. I mean, she's, uh, and she'll do it all with a smile on her face. And uh, that's what makes her unique. 
And it's, it's incredible because on the same weekend that we had these, these major attacks in Paris and you get really depressed and it starts to make me uh, really think negatively just about humanity in general, then you see something great, which we rarely do in this world, but you see something great happen to a great person. A lot of times we see great things happen to okay people. Yeah. Sometimes great things happen to bad people. But with Holly, a great thing happened to a great person, and it was not luck. She deserves it. She's worked for this, and uh, it was inspiring. It certainly was. Uh, I had the pleasure of being at the gym last week. I'd say the word Holly, the name Holly, massive smile comes on every single person's face and you could tell they're being genuine they're not just saying this because the cameras are on I even talked to some kids at the schools they're all like holly home holly home do you know holly home they love her and, and i think john dodson said it best he said if we could send someone to outer space to just show like what the best of humanity is we should send holly because she's a physical specimen she's a great person great heart it's amazing to see all this come out now but i want to ask you this truthfully i know hindsight is twenty twenty. yes did you believe in your heart that she could do it and, and not just do it do it like that to my everlasting shame, no. And, and honest to God, I felt guilty mm. that I didn't. But the thing is, and, and I've had this come up with a lot of fighters, and, and I'll get hit sometimes on social media and from fans for this, but when, when you are an analyst, at least in my eyes, you have to evaluate film and you have to go based on what you've seen um, to make your predictions and, and base your judgment. And, and if you, it, when, when I analyze the tape, I certainly felt, and I said this in interviews and my breakdowns, there was definitely a way she could win. And if there is a person who could catch Rhonda and, and defeat her, if she's not focused, it was Holly. And so I definitely saw her being able to win a fight that I thought would potentially go the distance. I did not see her winning the fight in that manner. Um, and part of me feels guilty because I do think so highly of her, because I do have a relationship with her. Um, but I mean that 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 it makes it all the more special. You know, I remember when I said on UFC tonight, and I got made fun of a lot by some of the people there and even people online. But I said when they talked about her coming to the UFC, I said if there was a woman I've met that I want my daughters to be like, it's Holly. Mm. Um, I mean, she has a lot of qualities. I already told my daughters all about the fight. Uh, I mean, she she is absolutely every bit a role model you want, not just for women, but but for any person. And and I truly mean that. From your perspective, what was Rhonda's undoing? Was it, you know, was she too cocky in this fight? Did she fight the wrong fight? Is it, is it the camp, in your opinion, from what you've seen? Did it just get too big for her? What do you pin this on? Can you pin it on anything? You know, I think you have to pin it on a lot of things. I mean, first and foremost, um, you know, it, it is never about who the best fighter is. It's about who fights best at that moment. Mm. And there's a lot of things that go into that. And, and I, I know this as well as anybody because focus is a huge factor in fighting. There are fighters who are part-time fighters. Whether they train full-time or not, you know, they're not, they're not as dedicated as they should be. And in many cases for me, I was a part-time fighter, you know, running a company and I had a lot of different things I had to be interested in. And so there were performances where I knew I wasn't focused enough. And so when you look at the lead up for Rhonda, you had the situation with Travis Brown goes public and she's got to deal with that. And, and, you know, look, when you make that kind of money, you're going to get that kind of attention. Then you have her mom doing that interview, um, which is a, which is a massive distraction, right? About her coach at that time. Then you have her coach deciding to file bankruptcy two weeks before the fight, massive distraction. So that's a lot of things on her mind. Ultimately, when you watch the fight play out, she did what she always does, 
You know, she she is a fighter who's very used to winning in the first round. And being a guy who who won a lot of fights in the first round, all of a sudden when that's not happening, it triggers different things upstairs and it messes with your confidence. You know, and when you're that amped up, you could be in great shape. But when you're in that octagon, if you do not control your emotions, you will get gassed out. I don't care what kind of shape you're in, you will gas out quickly. And I saw panic when things weren't working. Every time she tried to close the distance, uh, Holly either separated effectively, avoided takedowns, or she hit her, and sometimes both. And, and you could see there was no plan B there. There was no plan B, and as technical as some fighters look on pads, it doesn't always translate into their effectiveness in the octagon in doing it live. It doesn't mean they're not capable of it, but in that moment, there, there looks like there was some panic. Um, there was a lack of confidence, and every time Holly started landing those straight lefts and pivoting and angling off, you could see the doubt grew and grew and grew. And one thing I did know about Holly that I saw, because I was at Greg's when she was just dabbling in MMA, um, she was always very, very strong. Now, she wasn't throwing around female athletes the caliber of Ronda, but she was throwing around every woman in there that knew more about MMA than her. She was always a strong woman, um, and she was always extremely athletic. And I didn't know how that would translate to the level of athlete that Ronda is, and obviously it translated very, very well. Would it be a mammoth mistake for Ronda Rousey to fight Holly Holm next? Does she need a buffer? Does she need a fighter to to figure things out, get her mojo back? In my opinion, yes. I think it would be better for her. You you want to fight the biggest fights in your career when you are in a rhythm, you have confidence, things are going well with your support network, your trainers, everything around you, and you're in that right moment, which for Holly was that time. She's got a great, strong family around her. She's got a whole community in Albuquerque around her, coaching staff and teammates focused on her. Rhonda's life is more complicated because she's been such a, I mean, the, the biggest star we've ever seen in the sport for some time now. Yeah. And that's, that's more difficult, you know? So if I'm her trainer, I know it's not the best move financially. I know it's not what the, the organization wants, but I would want that. I would want her to work out some kinks and prepare a little bit more for what people think now can defeat her and go into that fight where she's hungry, she's focused. Now, I may say all that, and Rhonda could be sitting back in her, in her house right now watching tape, already thinking about training and knowing what she's going to do. And if she's got that kind of hunger and ready to go, then I would say, yeah, fight her again. You know, nobody really knows, you know, where she's at right now other than her and the people around her, and I certainly don't. But if from, from my bird's eye view, if I'm her trainer, I would rather that. I'd rather her go kick somebody's butt and walk in to fight Holly with her confidence, with her swagger. One of the byproducts of, of Ronda's success is the fact that mainstream media starts covering the sport when they usually don't, and they're all weighing in and giving their sort of uninformed takes. And I saw a lot of people who I respect who cover other sports saying, ah, oh, the UFC is done, that's it, she got knocked out, and they don't understand the way it goes. A loss in this sport, in my opinion, doesn't mean as much as it does in boxing or any other sport. They, they come back, you look at Randy Couture, BJ Penn, they all have double-digit losses. But do you think right now for the UFC, considering who she is, you called her the biggest star, I agree, she's on the cover of the video game and all that stuff, was this a bad night for the UFC in the short term? Like, yes, that night they did well gate-wise, attendance-wise, all that stuff. But is, is, this, is, is this a problem for the UFC? Or do you view it on the flip side? You just created a new star. She's everywhere. She's great with the media. She's great with the fans. It will all work out when, once the rematch happens. What do you think? I, I think it will all end up working out. I mean, but you asked me in the short term, is this bad? You know, when you look yeah. at it this quickly snapshot, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. I wouldn't say it's horrible, but it's going to be bad for 
you know, hey, the biggest pay-per-view draw you had just lost. And, and she, in the rematch, she's going to draw incredibly well. Um, but it, it could hurt them in the long in, in, or in the short run, which is, you know, the next six to eight months. Um, over a span of time, absolutely not. I mean, you've got Holly, I think, is certainly potential to capture the hearts of America and, and, and other massive markets worldwide. And I think she will if given the right opportunity and promoted correctly. And, and I think Rhonda will hold people's attention is now because people like a comeback story. Yes. You know, they want to hate on her now. But one good interview, one good sit down where she talks about everything she's been through in her life. And all of a sudden, everybody's back on her side and in her corner. And, um, and I think we're fine. And I'm telling you right now, there, there are uh, athletes, male and female, in gyms right now training that we don't know about. You know, when you see a woman like Rhonda making the money she's made, there are Olympic caliber athletes that said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go do that. There are the stars of tomorrow. I mean, when I go to countries like Mexico and Brazil and all over, especially in Brazil, there are athletes at every corner. I run the beach there in, in, in Rio, and it's incredible what you see. I mean, there are prospective guys like Henan Brown, Jose Aldo, and those type of athletes. They're there. You talk, I talked to some soccer coaches, professional soccer, and they were telling me the hotbed of athleticism that's there. So... There are other athletes and there are other stars that are out there. They'll come. Um, you can't in America and, and just media today, today's society, you know, worldwide, we love to panic about things like that. You mentioned Catch the hate. News, get of course, yeah. You mentioned the hate that she received, and a lot of people were put off by it. It was disgusting. It was it was it just felt dirty. And and I agree, but I will say that a lot of people are not really realizing why they feel this way. Even like the, the loudest critics, the loudest haters, that to me proves that Ronda Rousey was a brilliant saleswoman. She, she, the, the fact that she made you feel this way, no one is up in arms over Kelvin Gaslam's loss because he's just kind of there. But they feel this way, and those are the same people who will pay $60 to see the comeback fight, the rematch fight, regardless of who she's fighting. I want to know what you make... Of, of the vitriol that she has received. Because that's, that's my silver lining on all of it because it, it really wasn't warranted. But that just reminded me, wow, Holly, uh, excuse me, Ronda Rousey is such a big star that she made all these fans care so much about her. That's actually a good thing. She did her job. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I do. She should be very, very proud of what she's accomplished in such a short period of time and, and what she has done, not only for herself, for a sport, for, for a generation of female athletes. And, and you're absolutely right. The hatred she's received is attributed to, to the star and the brand she was able to build. And I would say 95% of the people that are saying all this stuff about her, had they met her, if they meet her in person, have right. one conversation, will turn around and say, you know what? It's totally different than what I thought it was. You know, when, when we, the most time we see fighters, it's the week of a fight when they're cutting weight and they're focused on, on defeating someone. And uh, it's a different mindset you have to get yourself in. It's very similar to a combat mindset. So, um, you know, that's, but that's people, right? We, we are, uh, humanity is a jealous people. We always get jealous of people who can do things we can't. And so we've got to tear them down to make us feel better about ourselves. Uh, and look, you know, she, she knows how to play a character and play a role. So when you, when you play the heel, I think she's got to come to expect some of this. But deep inside her, uh, she should take the opinions of the people that she truly cares about and that care about her and be proud of everything she's done. And success isn't, isn't easy to deal with, just like failure isn't easy to deal with. You get measured in both ways, and uh, you know she'll grow as a person from all of this, and, and we'll see what comes out the other end. But okay. people people forget. We have memories, sure. so she'll be over this in a couple months. Okay, let's end on this. 
if they fight again in the next four, five, six months, if it's UFC 200, it'll be a gigantic fight. Who's Brian Stan picking in the rematch? Ali Holm. Very, very hard to get the kind of beating Ronda took that night out of your head. And, and once a fighter who once thought they were invincible now realizes they aren't, that's a lot of doubt. And doubt is, is a first step towards frustration when you're trying to execute. And frustration is the killer of all athletes. And, and Holly's confidence is higher. She knows what to do. And she has an incredible support network around her to make sure that she stays humble. She stays focused. She has everything she needs to go out there and perform to the level that she just did. And I think she's really hard to beat in that, that short of term. Tremendous as always. I needed you to kick off this show to, to help me make sense of it all, Brian. So thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Again, great work on Saturday. Looking forward to working with you later on uh, in December. Absolutely, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Brian Stan. I mean, what more can you say? Just great analysis, uh, calm, cool, level-headed. Doesn't get too crazy like you know some of us in, in, in the media and, 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 and too passionate. Just great stuff there. From a guy who knows Holly, and I, and I truly respect that you know, he will admit, again, unlike others, that, yeah, I got it wrong. We all got it wrong. We all got it wrong. And, and that's okay, and that's the beauty of mixed martial arts. We could sit here and debate Sarah GSP, Dillashaw Burrell, this fight, and there are a bunch as well. Biggest upsets in UFC history. And all those fights happened within you know, the last 10 years. How many upsets can you talk about on the biggest stage possible for the championship in, in basketball or baseball? I mean, I could talk to you about Villanova beating Georgetown. That was 30 years ago. There's NC State also. over there, there's, there's a lot, but they don't happen in that short amount of time. So it teaches you that we know crap. We don't know anything. The odds makers, for the most part, you know, uh, they don't really know what the hell they're talking about either. Look at those odds. They'll get it right from time to time. But this sport is so young, so new, we all missed it. And in hindsight, you just look. And, and I'll sort of break down my thoughts of the actual fight later on. But how did we miss this one? And that's, that's, not, you know, that's not taking anything away from Holly or Ronda. Ronda, Ronda Rousey is the biggest star in the sport today, still is. Still is. And the fact that we care so much, the fact that we reacted the way we reacted, the fact that this is one of the biggest pay-per-views ever is all because of her. And by the way, the fact that we're even talking about this is because of her. Like I said in that essay, there would be no women's MMA in the UFC if not for Ronda Rousey. There'd be no Holly Holm if not for Ronda Rousey in the UFC. Holly probably wouldn't even have tried to go on this long you know, journey after leaving boxing if there wasn't an end goal of being UFC champion. There wouldn't be any of these people. They'd be fighting on smaller shows. It's all because of her. So if you hate her or are reveling in her demise, dancing on her grave, remember that. You don't have to be her biggest fan, but just remember that. All right, let's move along. And uh, like I said at the top of the show, I am fascinated by the local angle in all of this because I had the privilege and pleasure of being in Albuquerque last week. Just days removed from UFC 193. And it really, I mean, I wouldn't have had this perspective if I was just, you know, back in New York. It really hit me that Holly Holm is a gigantic star there. Uh, the little kids know who she is. Young, young boys and girls look up to Holly Holm. They all know. The soccer moms know her. Everyone knows her. This is bigger than John Jones winning or Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit got a day when he won the interim belt. She got a month from the city of Albuquerque. So I needed to get that, that local perspective like to welcome uh, one of the best who covers MMA 
from Albuquerque. He works for and writes for the Albuquerque Journal. His name is Jeff Grammer. He's joining us now on the phone. Jeff, are you there? I'm here. Thank you very much for the time, sir. It's uh, it's great to have you on. And like I said, I, I'm so interested in this because I've never seen, quite frankly, I mean, I'm from Montreal and I know GSP, it's different. It, it's really different. The way people talk about her, the way people look up to her, the way people were so happy because Albuquerque doesn't have any sports teams. They don't. Have, this sort of thing doesn't happen. And I understand that was a very big night in Albuquerque sports, not just because of Holly Holm. Can you tell us your perspective? How did you take it all in? What was the reaction around you? How did you feel? I'm just so fascinated by it. Yeah, you will see. Uh, obviously, Albuquerque is a fight town. Um, it's been known from boxing primarily through the years. It's it's a fight town. People have house parties that are legendary here, watching Johnny Tapia through the years on pay-per-views and and stuff like that. So we we love our fighting here in Albuquerque, especially and, and really all around New Mexico. But Holly was Holly was the fighter that she's from here. She went to Manzano High School here. Um, they're going to hang a banner in her high school after this win last week, and and you don't see that very often. It wasn't that she did uh, MMA when she was there at Manzano, but they're, they're going to hang a purple banner for Holly there at her high school. And uh, she, she came up through the Albuquerque ranks. All, almost all of her professional boxing fights were here in Albuquerque. So she was bringing world championship-level women's boxing to Albuquerque, and it wasn't just that she was from here going other places to fight. Her and her promoter, Lenny, who I know you've, you've, uh, you get, you've gotten to know through the past couple of years, Lenny made sure that he was bringing top-level women's boxing here because of Holly Holm, and people just fell in love with her. And as, as you've gotten to know her, and, and I did see the video with, that you did with her teammates there at Jackson's, you know, it's one thing for people to, to talk about a teammate or to talk about somebody from their hometown and, and saying, oh, yeah, we, we support that guy, we support that girl, and great person, this and that. You, you do get a different sense when you talk to people here that know Holly it, it's genuine with Holly. Um, there, there isn't anything fake about about that. It, it's almost to the point of, of of aggravating sometimes how nice a person this is. She doesn't ever talk trash. Uh, she doesn't ever really slip up along those lines, and and it it just makes you always want to try and be a little bit better. That's what people fell in love with with Holly through the through the years. And and when she left boxing, there were some people upset with it. You know, there were fight fans here that wanted her to stay stay in boxing, but. She didn't leave boxing for MMA. She left boxing for Ronda Rousey. From day one, that was the reason she went to MMA. What was the uh, the reaction to this fight being made? Uh, you know, a lot of us in the MMA media thought, ah, you know, she could be the one, but maybe it's a little too soon. You know, her two first fights in the UFC weren't all that, you know, impressive. A lot of people criticized her for the last fight. She didn't show any killer instinct. Were people in Albuquerque, her, her most loyal supporters who have been watching her forever, thinking that she was, you know, about to get annihilated in Melbourne? Or was there, you know, a groundswell of support for her saying that we're about to shock the world? Uh, a little, well, it'd be, over the last 10 days, I don't know if I've run into anybody who didn't say, I told you. And if you had asked me about 15 days ago, there was, there was a very large percentage of, of even Albuquerque and even the uh, staunchest Holly Holm supporters that were um, worried for her and not predicting her to win. Uh, our reader comment section on the Albuquerque Journal's website and, and letters to the editor, people writing in and local sports talk radio, th there wasn't a whole lot of people giving her a chance, even here in Albuquerque. And there, at times it was, it was interesting because there was genuine concern, you know. They didn't want her to go get embarrassed because of where they held her on this pedestal they held her. But, yeah, in hindsight, um, I think a lot of people said, yeah, we saw that coming, but there weren't a lot of people that were going out of their way to predict that it was actually going to happen. 
and in the days leading up to it, after you saw what happened, you know, at the weigh-ins, and it was just building and building and building, what was the local interest in this fight? Was this front-page news? As I was told in Australia, obviously, I couldn't really check in on it. I guess I could have checked on the internet. But, like, was yeah. this was this the Super Bowl happening for you guys over there? How was it being covered? Yeah, pretty much. It was uh, it was A1 of the Albuquerque Journal. Uh, I think both days before the fight, uh, the Friday and the Saturday, um, we had the Holly Home presence on the front page of the news section, not just the sports section, and obviously a bunch of features uh, the week building up, leading into it in the sports section as well. The day after, um, it was so late that the story wasn't on A1 the, the day after the win, but across the top above our masthead where it says Albuquerque Journal, it was a picture of Holly holding the belt, and it said, Happy Holly Day. Um, on on the sports front, it said Hallelujah, and it was a full page uh, devoted probably 90% to Holly beating Ronda. And in the days after, I was able to talk to her, um, you know, the morning after she woke up, and, and I just asked her, I said, well, what do you what are you thinking when you woke up this morning? And, and she said, I just, you know, I just did that. I, I couldn't believe I did it. Uh, that story had some of the best traffic on our website in, in quite some time. So, yeah, people, you know, it's not just we're putting it on the paper and nobody's consuming it. They're consuming all, anything and everything. We can write about Holly right now. People are, are eating up. And, and even the UFC, who, who's been sort of, uh, you know, obviously they have bigger fish to fry with this. Holly's been on this world media tour, um, New York, L.A. She hasn't even been back to Albuquerque yet. Uh, UFC took the time that they bought a full-page ad in our paper, a full-page color ad congratulating Holly. And, and they've recognized through the years what Albuquerque, especially in the per capita sense, Obviously, we don't have the population of some of the bigger cities, but from a per capita sense, Albuquerque's always supported pay-per-views with the UFC, and uh, they, they had a fight night here, and it did very well. So UFC's recognized that you know there's not a lot of hometowns in the UFC. It's a sport that travels around the world and has events all around the world, but there's almost like a hometown team mm. that supports so many of these fighters at Jackson, but Holly in particular, because she's one of them from here, Car- Carlos to a lesser extent. He's from here. But, but nobody really has that feeling about the fighters quite like they do with Holly. But there's so many fighters here that it almost seems like they're treating Albuquerque like a hometown. So you've been there for a long time. You've been covering the sport. You're originally from Albuquerque, right? I was born in Santa Fe, about okay. an hour north of here. But yeah, New Mexico. I asked Holly this question in the moment, and it's almost impossible for her to, to really give us an honest take. I want to ask you because you're an expert. Was this the biggest moment in Albuquerque sports history? Yeah, I think it was um, it, it, from a lot of angles. Uh, obviously, not every even in Albuquerque. I say it's a fight town, and, and it does have a great history of, of fight and fight support here. Um, but not everyone's a fight fan, uh, mm. no matter where you go. This this transcended all of that. Everybody was interested. There was, you know, every, every bar that could have it. There were local cafes and coffee shops that were paying for the pay per view. There were obviously still the the house parties I talked about, you know, the Johnny Tapia, Danny Romero history where people would just get families together, 20 or 30 people, and have parties at the house. That was still going on last Saturday, but every business that could get this pay-per-view got it. Um, even the Albuquerque Convention Center um, got it, and they've never gotten a fight before. So a lot of first-time businesses were, were buying this pay-per-view, and, and none of them regret it, to my knowledge. Uh, they were all, you know, sold-out, standing-room-only type venues. So, yeah, this was big. Everybody watched it. Uh, I, I think from a business standpoint, the T-shirts that are selling at any local shop that, that can sell them um, has been, have been selling them like crazy. So the next thing on, on the list now is, is people want Holly home. They want her to, they want her to come back yeah. and do this parade. And, and the city council's already voted uh, 
you know, the month of November is Holly Holm month now in Albuquerque, and they're going to set up a parade when she gets back. So you mentioned also that her high school is going to uh, hang this banner in her yeah. in her honor. So tell us from, from what you know, how is she going to be greeted? Are they going to be at the airport like we see, like when you know, like the, when the Golden State Warriors won the title, the fans at the airport? There's going to be an actual parade. What, what can you tell us about the kind of reception that she will get? Yeah, well, wherever she goes, you know, <laughs> in the weeks in the weeks building up, it, it was interesting. The com- I want to step back real quick. The conference call um, that UFC had for this fight. Ronda, the one Ronda Rousey hung up on when she was asked a personal question about her personal life. Um, for the next 45 minutes, Holly Holm answered questions about how Ronda said she couldn't handle the champion lifestyle, mm. which was interesting on a call that she hung up about a personal call. But in that, call, in that conference call, Holly talked about pressure, and nobody thought she had the pressure. But she said, growing up in Albuquerque and the support I have here, people walk up to me on the street and hug me daily. Um, that's pressure. She had a personal type of pressure, maybe not the worldwide attention that Rhonda had, but she had a whole town that not only liked her and supported her, but the type of people that walk up to her and hug her, wish her well, pray for her, all that kind of stuff. She had that on her mind. And when she comes back, it's going to be tenfold. And, and there is a different kind of pressure when you not just have the support of a community, but you have a whole community that is taking that much of an interest in you and, and an association with you. They, They've bought into Holly Holm being the, the hometown hero here. And when she gets back, if she goes to a school event, I think parents are probably going to find a find time to cut away from work to go see their kid at school that day so they can see her. If she goes to a, a football game, I know they're going to try and get her to the bowl game they have here in December. I think people are going to go just to see Holly Holm. And anything they can get with Holly right now, they're going to do it. So, yeah, there'll be a parade. I think she'll have a welcoming at the airport. Whenever she gets there, that'll have probably a couple thousand people at least there. Um, it's going to be big, and, and this town needed it, frankly. And and, and and can you speak to that? Because I had heard from people that uh, the last couple of weeks in Albuquerque were particularly depressing. I believe a, sure. a longtime police officer was yeah. killed, a young a young boy or girl, I can't remember which one, and I'm sorry for that, w- w- passed away. H- what was the mood, especially concerning you know the, the, sure. the, the people leading up to this, and how did she help change things? There, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, she made people feel better. She didn't change anything that had happened, obviously. And, and there's still some very serious issues that need to be addressed in Albuquerque. Um, there's a there's a trust issue going on right now with with law enforcement. Tons of great law enforcement officers here in Albuquerque. Um, but there had been a stretch of a few years where there there were a lot of law enforcement law enforcement involved shootings. There's an issue with that going on right now, and there was a road rage incident um, about I think it's been about a month now where. A guy gets out of his car to argue with the driver of another vehicle, shoots at that vehicle, and, and a four-year-old, a four-year-old oh. girl died. Um, that same day, basically, a longtime officer, Daniel Webster, was shot in the line of duty. Um, just, just stuff that really tears at a community, um, stuff that really damages the psyche of a community, and the support that came out for that little girl, Lily, um, was the girl who was killed. You know, people came out and supported that girl in the aftermath of that event like you've never seen. People came out and supported Officer Webster and all law enforcement like, like you just don't see in a whole lot of places. There, There's a whole community here in Albuquerque that has a chip-on-your-shoulder kind of mentality that people overlook us. But when it comes to one of our own, there's a, there's a ton of love. Um, that's what Holly kind of represented. And when she pulled off not just a win, but as you know, as everyone knows at this point, it wasn't just a win. It was a dominating win. It wasn't any lucky kind of sucker punch. She, she showed everybody 
that, you know, she belonged in, not only did she belong in there, but she, she deserves to be the champion. And, and it really goes back to what, you know, one of her coaches said a couple weeks ago about Albuquerque is, you know, maybe if we were this big fancy gym out of California or New York, people would give us a lot more respect, but that's not us. That's never been us. We're just from Albuquerque, but people always know who we are when we leave. And, and I think that's what pretty much Holly and, and Wink and Greg Jackson showed and Izzy too, the, you know, they, they got a good team over there at Jackson's at Jackson Wink, and they got another good gym here at Fit NHB. There's some people here that have this chip on your shoulder mentality, but it's also there's also a lot of love surrounding it, and that's that's sort of what Holly brought out that night. Are there any concerns that a Holly will change now that she's become this you know worldwide superstar, and that b her life will change? Like, like does she have to move away? Does she have to get a, 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 a go to a gated community if that exists? Are there any concerns about either of those two issues? The the concerns about her changing are only from people that don't know her. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't think – I think you'd have those concerns with just about anybody. I think people that have gotten to know Holly through the year realize it's it's not an act. Um, it's not fake. It, it, she's pretty genuine. Um, as far as her life changing to the point where she might have to get out of Albuquerque or, or at least move to a part of town like a gated community or something like that, you know, those, those are things that will be presented over the next few weeks, few months probably. Yeah, there's probably some concern about that. I do know, I mean, frankly, there's some frustration here in Albuquerque that, that all this celebration we're doing, she hasn't come back yet because she's been on a media tour since yeah. she's been running her through. So she hasn't been back yet. People want people want their, their hero back. So uh, there's a little bit of frustration to that, and we'll see how that plays out. But I don't think anyone's going to turn on Holly because of it. I, I think they might get frustrated with the star she becomes a little bit, but I don't think it'll be a personal kind of frustration with Holly kind of factor. And just curious, because you know the landscape, can Albuquerque host a Holly home title fight? Is there that kind of infrastructure? I threw out the pit, and you, yeah. you corrected me that it. Uh, this was on Twitter that uh, you know they they just couldn't do it. Is 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 it possible? Can you foresee? Uh, a scenario in which Holly gets to come back to Albuquerque? Because I could see, I mean, if it's possible, like 100,000 people showing up to that. Yeah, the, the reality is that win probably, Holly's probably outgrown Albuquerque in that regard. I, I don't think Albuquerque and nowhere else in the state of New Mexico would be able to host a Holly home fight at this point because there's so much interest. Uh, the pit itself, which is, you know, for 49 straight years, has been top 25 in home attendance for, for college basketball. It's a great venue. Um, but uh, structurally, it can't support the lighting that the UFC needs. Uh, they did a fight night here in 2014. They had to go to a, a downtown arena called Teeley Coliseum, which which is really old. You can't really see it on TV as well because all the attention is focused on the octagon in the middle. But basically, that's an old arena that, that couldn't support something the magnitude that Holly has become just in the last 10 days. So I don't think Holly Holm will probably ever fight in Albuquerque again. But that said, there's a lot of good fighters here. If she just makes an appearance at a fight night type event, I think the the UFC they've told me, Dave Schiller's told me he wants to get back here in 2016. Um, Holly just showing up would would probably pack the place. And there's a lot of other fighters here that that have a support have support and have a following too. So yeah, the UFC will be back in Albuquerque, but I do think Holly Holmes probably pretty much outgrown um, Albuquerque in terms of fighting. Last question, I'll ask you the same question I just asked Brian Stan. If you're Ronda Rousey, is it a mistake to do the immediate rematch from your perspective? Um, probably, but I, I don't know I don't know what else Ronda from her stature. Uh, I, I don't know who else she fights that from a stature kind of standpoint 
wouldn't sort of look like she's taking a big hit. I mean, fans want the fight. Mm-hmm. Fans want the rematch. If Ronda fought anybody else, um, it would be a curiosity thing. They want to see how, how much she comes back, obviously, how quickly she can come back from that from that loss. But I, I think from from like UFC standpoint, I, I don't think they want anything other than that rematch at this point. Because the the flip side of that too is is who does who does Holly fight in the meantime? I, I just think the interest right now is give Ronda a chance at her rematch. That's what Holly had when she suffered her worst beating in boxing to Anne Sophie Matisse. She got a rematch later and won. Um, Holly wants to give her the rematch. Yep. If they both want it, and the UFC wants it. I think that's what you do. Fantastic stuff, Jeff. Really appreciate the insight, and I, and I hope people start to realize now just how big of a, of a deal this is for the 505 and for the entire state of New Mexico. And hopefully, if she does fight in Las Vegas next, we can say hello in person um, because I think the Albuquerque... Why weren't there any local Albuquerque uh, journalists at the... Is it just too far? I was asking Lenny about that. And <laughs> yeah, you're, you're telling me. Yeah. Uh, believe me, the request was put in. Okay. I, I, I don't doubt it. Hopefully, if it's closer <laughs> to uh, to home... We can meet in person, but really appreciate the time. Great work, as always, um, and, and really enjoy your coverage. I, I looked at it all afterwards, and it was just fantastic stuff. So thank you again, and congrats to the city. Hey, thanks for having me on. This has been great. My pleasure. There he is, Jeff Grammer of the Albuquerque Journal, giving us the local perspective on just what Holly Holmes win means to Albuquerque. A beautiful story, and, and again, the, the beauty of sports. It doesn't take away... What happened in that city, and, and, and I know from talking to a lot of people there, tough times, but for a second, this is what sports are all about. For a second, it's an escape valve, and it allows you to jump up and down and act like a crazy person and just you know, love everything, cheer for something bigger than you, cheer with you know, a group of people that you don't know. That's the beauty of sports. That's what I always tell people. If, if, if you don't understand what it means to be a crazy sports fan, it's just to give us something else to think about, just to give us something to cheer about. And for a lot of people around the world, Holly Holm gave him that, in particular in our home state. Let's move along. Let's uh, welcome in one of the very best in the game. You can make a case that he is, once again, the coach of the year. He is killing it all over the place, doing a fantastic job. He is the head coach over at Kings MMA. He is Master Rafael Cordero. He joins us right now on the phone. Master, are you there? Yes. Hey, how's everything, buddy? It's always a pleasure talking to you, man. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for the time. You were in Mexico with Kelvin on Saturday. Do you think he did enough to win that fight? I think uh, the first three rounds uh, was for our opponent. He just wake wake up in the second two, second last round. Uh, I believe he he just was good fight was you know a good fight, but I believe that the, the difference between the size, the tall, he's really tall. Magnus tough dude, man. It's hard to fight against somebody taller than you. And what uh, was great, I can't complain. He did a great job. I look forward to see maybe this rematch one day. I don't know, but uh, this is what I'm looking for. And of course, there were- I know, I know, I know. Kelvin has a great. We, we had a great um, game plan, but unfortunately, our opponents choose, so everything works perfect for him. I certainly think that Kelvin has nothing to be ashamed of because, I mean, a lot of people were concerned about the weight cut and also seeing him do what he did in the fourth and fifth rounds. That means that he was in great shape. He had great cardio. He was able to go into the championship rounds. What, from your perspective, was the difference this time around? I know you're, you're relatively new to, you know, Kelvin and, you know, just everything that he brings to the table. But why was he able to look so good and fight so well despite the loss? Yeah, so in the gym... Yeah, this is my first camp with him. He spent two months with us over here in the Kings of May. 
and uh, Jim, he did a great job here, you know, and uh, he proved a lot his car too. His cut weight was perfect. And I believe it was the night from the the, the challenge, you know, and uh, the challenge put a great fight. I believe in the future, we, with more time, we can improve more and more and more his game. For sure, if you ask me how long, maybe for the next fight, I think he's going to put a great show next fight. And uh, we have more time to work with him and develop his game. And then we, hey, we can put our game over him. For now, what's great, but we can do a, a great job in the future. This is what I believe. Let's switch gears here for a second. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, your champion, the man who will be defending his belt in December against Donald Cerrone, he recently told David St. Martin of our site, MMAfighting.com, that you know he, he welcomes Ronda Rousey to the camp, to King's MMA. And this, this might raise some eyebrows because we thought that Chris Cyborg is a part of the camp, but I understand she is no longer a part of the camp. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, Chris, she trained with me a long time ago, since I moved to the United States, eight years ago. She came with me. She worked with me maybe for six months, and then she back to Brazil, and then she back, she back again. But I, I don't have more... I don't train her anymore. And uh, for sure, if you want to one day, you want to come and spend time with us over here, no problem. If the fighter came here with good mind, open mind to learn, no problem. It's hard for me to say something about Ronda because he, he have her own coach. I respect him yeah. as a coach. It's hard for me to say, come training here, Ronda. Not just for her, for her, but for all kinds of fighters who want to come train and spend time with us. And the Kings is more than welcome. No problem at all. And uh, everybody come here with open mind, for sure you're going to help. No problem. And I respect that you. It's it's it's. It would be disrespectful for you to step on toes, especially when she currently has a, a head coach and one who specializes in, in striking. Yeah, but because go ahead. Because one day when they, if I have my own fighters, and uh, I know when we talk about fighters, you have to respect. I respect this coach. I believe she, you know, she beat all those fighters till now. I think people have to respect her. Not just because she lost this fight, she is now is a trash. No, she she did a, she did she does a great job inside UFC, inside the sport. I can tell my daughter, she's a big fan. She's a big fan. Today my daughter wants to fight because of Honda. Mm. So she put a great great things not just for the women but for the kids too. A lot of kids today watch the show because of Honda. So she did a great job inside the fight and the. You know, I respect her camp. But if one day she wants to spend some time in the King's MMA, she's more than welcome. With all respect, right. she's more than welcome. Why did you part ways with Cyborg? Say again, please. Why did you, why did you no longer train Cyborg? No, I think that the, the way I trained, the way we... The, our connection is no more the same. I respect her as a fighter, but uh, our connection is no more the same. I believe she, she is still... Uh, one of the toughest fighters in the world, I believe. Cyborg, she's, you know, nothing changed what I believe she can do inside the martial arts. And uh, I believe she can be a, a greatest, the greatest of all time. This is what I believe. But uh, the way I train, the way I see things, maybe it's not the same way she does. And uh, But I see with the same respect, but uh, we don't longer more with no connection. I don't have more connection with her, but uh, we show the best for her. Uh, when did you split? Oh, a long time ago, long time ago. As soon as I moved shoot box, and I opened my own gym, King's MMA, but uh, she still is shoot box. 
Right. And for her last camp, she spent a couple of times with me in the gym. I did maybe less than five class with her. I just should, you know, I just hold the meets for her for her last fight, maybe five, six times. That's it. But I have connection with my fight. She never represents Kingdom MMA. She represents her old school. Uh, and uh, I have my fighters, then I can say these guys can kill or die for me. But Cyborg was just a fighter came here, and I pay, she paid me to hold meets for her. Okay. As a private class. So I did a private class for her, and that's it. But no, just professional things. Not about emotions, just professional things. Uh, based on what you know about both of them, who do you think wins, Ronda or Cyborg, in a fight? Depends. Everything depends. Uh, I think today, if you ask me, I can say Chris. If you ask me, I think I believe is to put both fights yeah. today. I, I think Chris has better kickboxing than Honda. And uh, I believe if Chris can, 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 can beat Honda for sure. I still, nothing changed what I think about Chris as a fighter. Uh -huh. She's still one of the best, if not the best fighter in the world. And uh, this is what I believe. But um, it can be an interesting fight in the future. Let's see. But I believe in today, Chris. She's the best fighter in the world. Uh, and, and, you know, given your expertise, you, you're so good at, at you know, you're, you're amazing at, at the striking part of the game. Of course, that's your background. Uh, based on what you saw out of Ronda in the Holly Holm fight, do you believe that there are problems there? Is she just not doing things the right way? Ronda? Yeah. She's been criticized for uh, her striking. Yeah, I think the way she fought, she... So, uh, uh, one more time, it's no disrespect. Please. Sure. Sure. I want to be yeah. one and I don't respect. It's hard for me to talk about somebody from another camp. But uh, when you ha when you have a belt, when you have a, a championship in your hands, you can run straight your opponent as a craze. You can't do this anymore. So I think the way she ran against the the hauling was a little bit. She anticipated what she wants to do. Sometimes you have to hide what you want to do inside the fight. I think was a little bit more calm, a little bit more calm, a little bit more confident. She has to change her game a little bit. As my opinion as a, as a MMA fan, I expect for Ronda to throw punch and try grab. Mm. I think me and all over the world wait for the same thing. Punch and, and find for short distance and then grab it. I think she has to change a little bit, a little bit more then because people start understanding her game. It's going to start fight against her. It's going to start putting some uh, some boundaries against her. I think she has to change a little bit. And uh, but if she, if she can mix a little bit more between punch, kicks, knees, take down, defense, uh, things like that, gonna make a difference. She can start the fight and run against the opponent like that because people start to understand her game. Is gonna start play against her. So with Holly, he did. She did a great job. She stopped Honda with punch in the beginning, control the distance. As soon as she find, she found her as soon as she found her distance, she put Honda in problems, you know. And uh, I think well, I think you she has to do it. She has to change the, her mind about go straight all the time. The sport today you can't do this anymore. Go straight. Start the fight, go straight, go straight. Unfortunately today you can't do this anymore. I'll put you on the spot again. Holly Holm versus Chris Cyborg. Who do you pick? Good fight. <laughs> fight. I believe. I believe this fight's gonna be an amazing fight. 
Chris gonna fight against somebody softer, against somebody with a little bit more reach, a little bit more reach than her, and it's gonna be a good fight. I think the fight going close distance, Chris can knock her out, but I believe if 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 the champ keep the distance, I think she can, you know, make five rounds in the distance. You know, I think she can, she can, she can take care about that. I think in short distance, Chris can knock her out. But in long distance, she can play five rounds with no problem. I've seen Vanderlei Silva at the gym these days. Does he still want to fight? I know he retired, but he's got some issues, and maybe it's going to turn around for him very soon. Do you think he still wants to fight? I, no, I think he don't want to fight anymore. I think he want to stay out for a while, just seminars all over all over the world. I think his, you know, I, I think his career is done. He don't want to fight anymore. Okay, and how about the? I, the Go ahead. Sorry. I, this is my opinion. I don't know the future, but to be honest with you, what I look when they lay now is I look at the guy who wants to spread the word, spread the word in the world about martial arts, and uh, I think this is what they're looking for now. Rafael dos Anjos was very active on his way to getting the lightweight title, but he's taken a break. By the time he fights again uh, next month, it will be nine months off since his last fight. Any concerns that you know, at least in the first round, he might be a little rusty? So he trained hard for this fight at least five months uh -huh. for this fight. He just finished uh -huh. his training now in the gym. And he's so excited for this. I think it was a great moment for uh, Eight months out was great for him because he fought a lot last year. And he fought a lot in 2013. So I think it was a great time to rest, to recover his body. His knee was not 100% before. Now his knee, his body is 100%. He doesn't have one injury for this fight, and uh, I believe he's gonna be a, uh, he's gonna be a great fight again. He's mentally prepared for this moment, you know. He's he dreamed all his life for this moment, and now he has the belt. He wanna take care of his about his belt. I believe he's gonna put wars for all those challengers now. This is what I believe. Have you been watching their first fight from a couple of years ago a lot leading up to this one, or do you think that? Cerrone's a different fighter. Dos Anjos is a different fighter. What's your perspective as you prepare for a rematch as opposed to fighting Cerrone for the first time? We still with the same mentality. We I check all the all day, every day what Rafa did wrong in the first fight to try you know fix you know uh, change the fight, change the fighters. But sometimes you can keep with the same mistakes. So my goal with half is fix his mistakes at the first fight and improve a lot for the next fight. So put a lot of a different game for this fight, for next fight. I believe it will work, you know. And uh, with all respect, Ron is an amazing fighter. This is the reason he's going to fight for the belt. But I believe Rafael will beat him again. What can you tell us about the rematch between Fabrizio Verdum and, and Cain Velasquez? Do you have any idea when it will take place? I don't know yet. I spoke with Fabricio. Now he, the UFC, no, no confirms nothing yet. We expect for something in February or March. People say Las Vegas. Another, another people say, other people say uh, March in Brazil. Uh, we don't know yet. We look forward to see the date, the right date. But Fabricio, for sure, he will, he will be ready for them. Do you feel as though Fabricio hasn't been given the credit that he deserves? People talking about Kane not, you know, preparing long enough in Mexico, and 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 he alluded to this when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. As his coach, do you feel the same way? 
No, I believe we, we have to, you know, when we lost, when we lost, we have to think about us and not about another guy. So I believe they, like I say, King is Mexican. He have to know about altitude. So we spend long time there. We spend 30 days in Mexico, the second camp. We spent 30 days there. Was for sure was great time. We had a great time there. But it's not about just about altitude. It's about techniques. It's about your fight, your game plan. And I think everything works perfect. It's not just about altitude, but it's about a lot of things. This is the, the, the victory is the result about a lot of things. So this, this is my thought about that. And uh, let's do it again. Hmm. This is the reason Fabrice wants to fight again. Because first fight, everybody say about altitude, about, you know, two years is, you know, with no fight, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's do this fight again. And then he's going to prove for sure he's the best heavyweight in the world. Fabrice beat Nogueira, Fedor, um, King Velasquez. I think he deserves more respect, you know. He's no, uh, for me, I see sometimes people put Fabrice as an underdog. And what he have to do mm-hmm. to prove he's the best fighter in the world. He's the best heavyweight. I can't, there's no, please, I'm really humble about martial arts because I know I have to be humble because, you know, you never can say something more than your mouth. Right. Your mouth, if your mouth says something, have to say something correct. And uh, I don't want to uh, hurt nobody, but I believe Fabrice is the best heavyweight ever. He beat the legend, and he deserves all respect. Last question for you. Uh, December is the fifth year anniversary of King's MMA. Did you ever think... I, will, I look forward to seeing you here. <laughs> yes, I, I will be there. Uh, did you ever think, you know, after leaving Shootabox and everything, like that you would be in this position five years with this gym, you know, two UFC champions, other great fighters training there as well? Is this, is this crazier than you thought, or did you envision this all coming back for you? Uh, God's good. I, can, I like to say that God's really good. God brought me here, and King's MMA is a, a gift from the God, you know and for sure, I started everything from zero again since I moved to the United States. And it's not easy. It was hard. I had bad times here, yeah, you know. But I always look forward. I believe. I put my faith front everything. And today we have two champs, more than 35 professional fighters. Now, for 11 a.m. class, 11 a.m. class, I have more than 25 fighters just, you know, excited for new things. I think... This is the, the, the reason I'm here. Everything happened for one reason. And I believe as soon as I moved to Brazil, to United States, I did the right thing. And God blessed me every, every day. And I'm blessed to help people here. So I think this is my biggest goal, help people and make people improve every day in the gym. You know, it's not just about martial arts. But I like to say Kings and Maid is our church. Mm-hmm. When you talk about good things, when we, we surround around, we, we surround with good people around us all the time here, you make the energy. You know, it doesn't matter if you won or if you lose. When you step inside, you step inside the Kings the day after. People are gonna hug you, gonna say how much love you. This makes difference. You always know you have, when you're back in your home, have somebody there to show love for you. This is the most important thing that you have here. Beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Master Rafael Cordero. Very happy for your success. Uh, congratulations on five years and good luck in the upcoming big fights that you have. I appreciate it again, Ariel. You know, I like to say how how happy I am to talk with you all the time. 
you kind of the guy under you understand martial arts it's a pleasure for me to talk with you because i talk with somebody who knows about martial arts and i look forward to see you here in kings and may december 5th for our fifth anniversary obrigado parabéns obrigado all right there he is master rafael cordero uh, a great guy with uh, with an interesting perspective if you read that article about uh, you know rda welcoming ronda to the team the cyborg road bump is no longer there. There's no blockage. So we'll see what happens. If she does leave, I mean, who knows? I, I, I think, actually, Edmund has received a lot of unfair criticism for that clip of him in the corner. Uh, people are like, oh, what kind of advice? Listen to the clip. He's calming her down. He's being positive. And then he's starting to critique her. But then they switch to the other guys. They switch to the other corner. You can't judge half the, you know, half the conversation. So you can, you, can, you can criticize them for a lot. The game plan... Her, her, you know, her, her actual plan of attack, the the way she fought in there. You could criticize them for a lot, but I don't think it's it's fair to criticize them for that particular corner talk. Uh, let's move along now. That weekend was a big one, obviously with everything going on with Ronda Rousey. But for our next guest, it was also a very big weekend. He was in Singapore to at least he thought defend his one welterweight title against Luis Santos, but that never happened. A strange, a bizarre situation for Ben Askren, and he joins us now via the magic of Skype. There he is, Funky himself. Ben, how are you? I'm doing great, Ariel. I, you know what? When I was just listening to you talking, I want to know what did Edmund say on the other half of the the thing where they cut him off? That is a good point. I think, actually, if you go on UFC Fight Pass, you can listen to the corner uh, in its entirety. Uh, but I know everyone who's criticizing him did not do that. And, and I just think, it's, look, yeah. like I said, I think you can actually criticize him for a lot, but not that, because they cut him in the middle, and you could tell that he's yeah. sort of rounding the corner. By the way, while we're on the topic, and I want to talk to you about you, obviously, but you, you said on Twitter yeah. that you don't think Ronda will be back after seeing that clip on TMZ, like that she was a shattered yeah. fighter. Can you expand on that? Um, well, I think it was, uh, I think a lot, she bought into her own hype so much that this was just so devastating, it's going to be hard to come back from. Uh, one of my favorite topics to read about my whole life has just been famous athletes, and a lot of those have been combat athletes. And sometimes when you buy into your own hype that much and, and the bubble gets bursted, it's hard to come back from. And that clip on TMZ, I, I want to say that was five days after the fight. And, uh, you know, by that point, uh, a well-rounded, mature adult would have said, listen, I got my ass kicked. It happens. But I'm going to be back. This, this isn't the end for me. Listen, you know, people lose. That happens. It's acceptable. But I, I'm coming back and I'm going to get my title. But she was still... So distraught over what had happened, um, it's going to take her a long time. It's really, gonna, I think it's going to take her a long time, if ever. I mean, maybe she's going to say, hey, I'm making enough money in the movies. This fighting thing, it's hard, right? Mm. It's tough. I'm going to go do that. It's easier. So with that in mind, if she does come back, would you say it's a mistake to come back against Holly? Does she need one or two fights to, to get back on track? Um. I think I think it depends on the athlete, but with uh, with Ronda, the way she reacted, I would say 100%. I would say you got to put her against a few people that she can beat up pretty easy, uh -huh. and, uh, and and then see what happens. And, and be, but yeah, Holly, man, because Holly beat her everywhere. I mean, Holly really had a great game plan. She executed, which for us that know fighting. Uh, it was tough to predict because Holly didn't look that great in all of her other fights, whether it was in her early fights or whether in her UFC fights. She didn't look 
that great, and then she just looked freaking amazing uh, a couple weeks ago. And who knows if she was really, you know, holding her cards close to her vest, as Mike Winklejohn alluded to. But yeah, she rose to the occasion and then some. It was a masterful performance. It was one of the very best we've ever seen from a challenger in a title fight. But I want to talk to you about your situation. You've been competing yeah. for a long time. You've been around sports for a long time. You've competed at the highest level. Have you ever been around a more bizarre situation as the one you experienced a couple of weeks ago in Singapore? Yeah, you know what? And I talked to a bunch of people, and I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think so. And, you know, I do, Ariel, I come from the wrestling world where if you miss weight by like 0.2 pounds, it's a big deal, right? Like people don't come. If someone on my college team were to have showed up to a match four and a half pounds over, Coach Smith probably would have just kicked him off the team. He would have <laughs> like, you're, you're just done. Just, just turn in your stuff, go home, go do college. This isn't for you. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of stuff didn't ha doesn't happen in my world. And then, you know, after that, every single thing was just like, it seemed like he was trying to do everything he could not to fight. I mean, um, it was just a ridiculous set of circumstances. Okay, so for those who may have missed it because they were consumed by, you know, Ronda yeah. Mania, give yeah. us the, the shorthand version. I know you went on Facebook and, and, yeah. and kind of broke it all down, and you did a very nice job of doing that. He has since refuted some of your claims, and we can get into that in a second here. But what happened from your perspective? Yeah, you know, the short version of it, and that's all you really need is the short version of it is uh, he showed up showed up overweight. I said give him as much time as he needed. How many he, pounds he overweight? Four, four and a half at the beginning. Okay. Um, he doesn't make weight. Uh, I say as much time. I think, I think he got down to like 2.2 over. I said, okay. I talked to his coaches. I said, all right, that's fine, but we'll do a second weigh-in. We'll both weigh in at 185 tomorrow. They say that's, that's fair. They shake hands. I leave to go to media. And then they say, no, he can't do that anymore. So I say, all right, fine, 20 pounds. You know, 20 pounds, that's reasonable, right? I right. thought. So then the next morning, he's eating breakfast. My, my buddy that's my corner is texting me like, this dude's down here eating breakfast. Like, what the heck? Then he's eating breakfast for 90 minutes. Then he tries to go to the hospital without someone from the 1FC crew with him. So I, I like saw them going to the hospital. I'm like, well, what? no, someone's got to go with you. So then he kept asking for IVs and the doctor said, listen, you're fine. Your liver function's fine. Your kidney function's fine. They, they literally tested his blood to make sure everything was fine. And, uh, and then, so then he was still three pounds over the 190. He was 193 and he refused to even attempt to get down. And it's just like, do you not want to fight? What's your deal? And at that point, I'm just like, this guy is just so beyond ridiculous. It's not even funny. Mm. So I, I didn't feel like budging at that point because he was just being an idiot. What's it like for you to travel all the way from the U.S., from Milwaukee to Singapore? You're getting ready, mentally ready. You've been doing a training camp. You're trying to avenge this bizarre fight yeah. that happened a few months ago in April. I mean, like you're, you're in the zone, and then you, you don't get that release, and you have to fly all the way back home yeah. without ever fighting. How do you, how do you process that? And, and that was kind of the same thing that happened last time. Is There, there really wasn't a conclusion yeah. to the fight, and that's hard because – you know, prior to that, it's, I, I actually was talking to my corners. I'd kind of got lucky. Prior to that, I'd never, I, you know, I'm going to show up every time for work. I'm going to make weight. I'm going to do what I have to do. But I'd never had someone pull out of a fight or miss weight or anything like that before. So I've been pretty lucky in my career up to this point. Um, so I never experienced these things, which they happen all the time. I mean, it's not, it's not uncommon in the fighting world. The fighting world's kind of the wild, wild west to me. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like very inconclusive, very uh, a dead end. Um, you know, I, 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 you, you like that feeling of winning. You like that feeling of getting all, doing all the work and getting in and get to beat somebody up. 
uh, and get your hand raised in front of everybody. You like that feeling, and I didn't get that feeling. So um, it's disappointing. I've been talking to one that they're going to try to get me back in in real short order. Uh, that you know they had a card in November twenty whatever in Beijing, and they got two more in December um, that are filled up. But the thing in January, February. So hopefully I'll, I'll pop back in there real quick and get a fight. Has the uh, the ship sailed on on Sapo Santos? Is that no no longer in the cards for you? I, I would I, I would say I mean I couldn't understand how one would want to keep him around after all the shenanigans and, you know he can refute all he wants but but we were all there we you know the, the in Asia all the hotels serve free breakfast to everybody you know yeah. it's real nice and stuff everyone from one all the other fighters everybody's sitting there watching his knucklehead eat breakfast for ninety minutes drinking juice I mean I personally saw him drink five glasses of juice <laughs> and then he you know right and then he's three pounds over and he's like I'm not even gonna try. Like, bro, we just saw you eat breakfast for ninety minutes. Like, were, were you were you trying to be over one ninety? Like, what what's the deal here? So, uh, I mean, after everything, I, I would have uh, I, I believe they'd have a hard time bringing it back. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, he sent a uh, a statement to us. He did an interview with uh, MMA Junkie. I mean, saying that you're the one who you know he flew all yeah, the way from Brazil, right. and you're the one who didn't want to fight. I mean, did you read that stuff? And how do you how do you react to that? Yeah, I mean, literally, I read, I think I read the first one that came up, which I believe was MMA fighting, and it was, like, so convoluted and so <laughs> stupid that I didn't even feel the need to respond. I just read it like, well, no one's going to believe this. And you know what, Errol, usually, like, I'm kind of a polarizing figure, so no matter what happens with me, if I if I read through comments of, a, of an article, it's usually 50-50. Yeah. Some people like me, some people don't like me. But uh, when I read through articles of his story, it was, like, 98% were for me and two were for him. They were just like, what's wrong with this idiot? Ben showed up and made weight. You know, it's not his, it's not my problem. I showed up and I made weight. I showed up to work and, you know, we signed a contract and I, I fulfilled my obligation and he was the one who didn't. So, you know, I didn't really even feel the need to respond because it, it was just so ridiculous. Okay, so I know that this next question can be sort of viewed as unfair to one and, 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 I, and I admit that. Sure. But let me ask you anyway, at any point did you think to yourself, you know, this is what happens when you're not fighting for the major organizations. Like, you know, this wouldn't happen. And I know weird things happen. We just saw with Tyron yeah. Woodley and Johnny Hendricks. I, I'm sure you were following that situation. Or Johnny and Tyron Woodley and uh, Kevin Gastelum. Exactly. You know, he said Tyron's been really unlucky at two this year. That's right. Um, um, but did you ever think that? Like, gosh, I need to get out of this situation. Do you ever think that? You know, like I said, I think I was lucky up to this point that I've never had anyone pull out of a fight or never had anyone miss weight in my career, which – it happens in MMA. MMA is a, a wild place, and it happens. So I think I've been lucky up to this point. Um, and so, no, no, I didn't really have that feeling. I mean, you know, honestly, I, I was happy with one because they said, all right, he missed weight. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I think you should have to weigh in again tomorrow. And they said, all right, that's fair. We support that. And, uh, when, and you know, after he was done being ridiculous, they never, like, tried to force me to take the fight past my stipulations, mm. which I've, I've heard in many cases the UFC does with their fighters because – it does. It hurts one to not have a main event, right? It it definitely hurts them um, for sure. And so that what it wasn't a good situation for anybody. And at no point were, were did they make me feel like I did something wrong because I showed up and I was on weight. So um, no, you know, I didn't have that feeling at all. They are operating under different rules. They're in a different you know part of the world, yeah. and it's hard sometimes to. You know, for the, I think the casual MMA fan, North American fan, to keep up with it, just because the events are on, you know, very early in the morning here, etc. And then when you add to it that it was happening the same weekend as the Ronda Rousey fight, 
the biggest fight in UFC history as far as attendance is concerned. I mean, this one flew under the radar. I, I think that if it was any other weekend, especially one without a UFC event, it would have been a bigger controversy, a bigger deal. So I want to ask you, being there, because I know you did a lot of media, you were with Rich Franklin, yeah. and, and, and you're the champion. How big is one in Asia? Tell us, tell us the real deal. I know you're always honest yeah. with us, not the promoter speak. Is it, honest. I'm not, well, honest as it gets, Ariel. I'm going to shoot you straight. Um, you know, one had, they did have a little trouble this year. They had a deal in China that kind of uh, didn't go exactly as they planned, and so they wanted to do more events, but they're kind of back on track. They're doing... They did two events in November, two in, two in December, and they're looking to do two a month all next year, every single month. Um, but Singapore, it, it, was, it was packed. I mean, every single seat. And I had uh, Dustin Ortiz, who fights in the UFC, he was with me. Um, your good old pal, Front Row Brian, was with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can attest, you know, from, from the opening bell of the first fight, which is very different than American MMA. People show up for the first fight. It's really bizarre. Um, I mean, not a seat in the house was open in Singapore. So it's a big deal. And, you know, one advantage they have is people are – and people ask me if America's nationalistic, and I don't think it is because there's so many American fighters that America doesn't get excited about American fighter, right, because a lot of us are. But over there, I mean, these people go nuts over a Singaporean fighter or a Malaysian fighter or a Philippine fighter when I was in the Philippines in April. Um, I mean, you would be shocked, you know, and these guys are, they're two and one, they're, 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 you know, they're guys who are starting their careers, but the whole freaking country gets behind them. So yeah, a hundred percent, it's a big deal. And I know one does that, you know, their business plan is not to market towards North America because it's already so saturated between UFC, Bellator, World Series of Fighting and all the other organizations. It's very saturated. Um, but there's 4 billion people over there in Asia and they know if they can make a dent in that market between China and Japan and Korea and Southeast Asia and India, uh, they're going to have a very big business. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to agree with them. You know, I, I've thought about your story a lot. And last year, it was such a bizarre one because, I mean, really one of the, the weirder ones of the past year because here we have a, a champion free agent and, you know, the whole thing with the UFC. I mean, just so strange. And we, we covered it at length. But I've thought about yeah. you a lot recently um, with the new Bellator. Forget about what you could be doing in the UFC because I think that's, that's pretty clear. But with the new yeah, belt, right, I, I wonder, like, what would Scott Coker do with Ben Askren? And, and more importantly, yeah. what does Ben Askren think when he watches these big temple events? Like, I could be treated yeah. coming down here. Do you ever think like that? Like, man, if I just stuck around for a year, if things worked out differently, it would be totally different for me in the States. I wouldn't have to travel so far away to fight. Well, you know, they, they take care of me over at one. So I'm definitely happy there. And, and my whole life, I've tried to make a habit of never looking back. Because when you look back at the decisions you could have made or things you could have done, you end up being unhappy. Because... The, the, the thing is, you can't change them. I am where I am right now. And I can move forward, but I can't move backwards, right? You can't right. change time. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of what Scott Coker is doing. I think he's realized that he can't fight the UFC, heads up. They can't go fighter for fighter with him. But what he can do is try to build these kind of bizarro fights, which that's, you know, you hit Kimbo <laughs> on today. That's what it, Kimbo sucks. He's a bum, but he gets ratings. I'll tell him uh, you said that. It's fine. You can tell him. Uh, I beat him up. No problem. Um, so, uh, I mean, come on. You know he's a bum, Ariel. Don't lie about it. Well, whatever he may be, he's their biggest uh, ratings getter. So, yeah. right? So, you know, so Scott knows if he gets these ratings, he gets dollars. If he gets dollars, he can sign more fighters. If he signs better fighters, he gets better ratings. And, you know, I think his end game is obviously not to do these freak show-ish fights, but he realizes that's where he's at right now, and that's what he's got to do. And I think it's a really smart strategy, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it all plays out over the next couple of years. Would you be okay with retiring as a one fighter, or do you still long for that UFC shot? 
no, I would be okay. You know, I've come, I've come to terms with that for sure. Uh, and not the fact that I would have the three letters UFC behind my name, but the fact that everyone would know that I'm the best fighter in the world. Uh, you know, that's kind of what I gave up is the ability to totally prove that in everyone else's mind. And in my mind, I know, I know where I stand. And so I'm comfortable with that. But, uh, in my mind, that's what I gave up was the ability to totally prove that I'm the best welterweight in the world. Uh, but everything else being said, I'm happy. Everything's good. Uh, and I'm going to keep stepping in the cage and beating up whoever shows up. And so who knows, maybe, maybe things will get, get funny in the next couple of years. And, um, one will sign a couple of really big names. I'll get to beat them up and everyone will know I'm the best in the world. So their title is on the line January 2nd. It's Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit. Love to hear your opinion on this. Who do you think wins and why? Yeah, and I've had my hands on both of these guys, Ariel, and I know how I stand against them. Okay. So <laughs> you've trained you know, with both of them. There, you've trained with both. I, I, you know, not for at length, but I have worked out with both of them at some point in the past. Okay. Uh, I think Carlos actually. You know what? Because I, I think Carlos has great cardio, great endurance. I don't think I think Carlos's weakest point is the wrestling. He gets taken down very easy, but I don't think Robbie's going to do that or do it often. Um, and I don't think Robbie's got enough in the tank left to knock Carlos out. And if it goes, if it goes the distance, Carlos is just going to keep picking up the volume and picking up the volume and picking up the volume. And uh, I see him kind of wearing Robbie out. Maybe, maybe TKO finish or something um, later in the fight. It's kind of that's how I would predict it going. Hmm, interesting. All right. Uh, before that I let you dangerous. go, he's tricky. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of weapons. Right. That he likes to use. So Sapo isn't next for you, um, and you say you want to return, you know, first quarter of the year. Who's out there that, that you're thinking? I mean, I don't want you to necessarily call yeah. anyone out. You're the champ, but who, who's, who comes to mind? They, they got a couple of these Russian fighters. You know, they're signing a lot of these Russian fighters that are really tough. They just had a guy who won, uh, he won their flyweight belt in Beijing last week, and he's like, he's Uzbekistani, and I think he's 25-0 and 0 or something. So, um and if you if you're kind of paying attention, uh, the Soviet Union and the former Soviet Union countries are just blowing up with fighters. Whether whether it's the UFC or Bellator or One FC, um, and so I know they've signed a few guys. But they have a big records, but maybe not big names um, from those countries. So I you know I would guess one of those guys. Uh, any final words for Mr. Santos? He's a bum. I don't. I don't he, he's like either so delusional or so stupid that nothing I'm going to say is going to affect him. Oh, I, I, was, I was hoping to get like a, an Askren promo here. You cutting a promo on him. Not even one jabroni reference? I don't need to cut a promo. I told you I don't need to cut a promo on him. He's a bum. All right. Hey, Ariel, you know what? I almost used this today. I got a microphone. Uh, I, I'm actually, I started a podcast. Okay. It's amateur wrestling. We did our first one last week. We were filming our, our taping our second one tonight. What do you got for me? Uh, come on, give me some advice, man. Because you're oh. the superstar. Well, you know, it's hard to give you advice uh, without hearing it, but I would love to hear it, and uh, then I can give you advice. But just, you know, be yourself. People love, you know, people, you mentioned it right, right you know, in, in the middle of the interview. You're a straight shooter, so uh, I, don't, I don't think I need to tell you to, to remain that way, but if you can tell it like it is and not show any bias, if you think that Anthony Pettis is going to lose to Eddie Alvarez... Please tell us that because that will make for very uh, interesting. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I know. I know. That just comes. You trying to, mind. to get that out of me? No. That's not no. 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 But be a straight shooter. Um, I need some time to think about it. That's that's right up in your neighborhood. That's what it's in Boston. Boston. Or yeah. Will you be there? I, I'm not coming. Uh, actually, Anthony hired Israel Martinez to be his wrestling coach because he asked me to work three times a week with him, and I'm just I'm just too busy with uh, my own fighting and other projects to be able to do that. So. 
Uh, he wanted to get more one-on-ones, and I just wasn't really able to provide him with that. So Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, but I'm excited to see him back. I'm so, so you're done with guys. Anthony? You know, we're in the, obviously we're in the same gym and sure. stuff, but as far as wrestling coach, no. Mm, that's interesting. Anyone yeah. else? Sergio as well, right? Sergio's. I don't think he's got a fight coming up. He just he won a couple months ago. Yeah, but I did see him with. Uh, I thought I saw him with Izzy, or maybe I'm thinking Anthony as well. Yeah, I think I don't know if he's his wrestling coach, but he was just. Uh, I think he was just there at the same place, same time in Australia or something. How do you feel about Izzy? Oh, uh, I like dude. I've known Israel since we were I think 11 or 12 years old. I okay. mean, way, way, way back. Um, and so, and we both run wrestling clubs, and so I see him a lot, know him a lot. We get along really well. Uh, and you know, everything points to, he does a great job coaching MMA fighters. If, if you look at the roster of guys he's coached, uh, although I did win a bet cause he told me Cerrone was going to beat up Pettis and I, and I bet him on that one. Uh, and I just, I just knew Anthony was a little, little quicker, a little faster. Uh, so I, I did beat him on that bet, but Israel's a good coach. All right, Ben, appreciate the time. Thank you very much for, uh, clearing it all up for us. Always great to catch up and looking forward to your next fight. All right. Thanks, Ariel. There he is, Ben Askren, also joining the uh, the podcast movement. Always a straight shooter. A bizarre situation. Like I said, I, I, I definitely think that uh, it would have received more attention. Uh, promotions, and, and I know these are built out long in advance, but promotions need to stay away from particular fighters. Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, of course. John Jones, when he returns... Uh, that's just in your best interest. And even if it's not happening at the exact same time, and I know, like I said, they play under different rules. I mean, they're not necessarily looking for the coverage from North American media, and, you know, they don't necessarily want North American fans. That's that's not their end goal. Uh, you would get a lot more attention, especially in the MMA community, which is big but also very small because we pay attention to everything. Like, there's a reason why when I go to Australia, and those fans are just so darn nice and polite uh, and just such a pleasure to, to meet with, um, there's a reason why, you know, people know who we are when we go to Australia. Uh, if I was covering the Yankees and they played an exhibition game in Australia, no one know, would know who those reporters were. But it's so, it's so, so in a way, it's big, but it's also very small. I will say, though, that that crowd in Australia was definitely a unique one. Um, I don't know if they were just... I think it was a mix of it being early in the morning, which they're typically used to, but also at the Sky Dome... In Toronto, it was it was called the Rogers Center when they had UFC 129, but we all call it the Sky Dome. At the Sky Dome, that was a baseball stadium, and the configuration of a baseball stadium is a lot different than uh, the 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 AFL, the Australian Rules Football League, and whatever else they use that Eddie Hat Stadium for. So the the stands were a lot further away from the cage. They had to put approximately thirteen thousand five hundred floor seats which really spread things out so i had the opportunity to be in the stands and, and 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 watch the action for a couple minutes and you just felt very far away from it all and i think that led to uh to a very quiet crowd and the australian fighters you know some of them didn't do so well early on so maybe that got people down they certainly were awake when holly home won but uh, i think that's why it sounded so quiet they were just they were just really far away and that's, in the past, the reason why Dana White has said that he doesn't like doing those big stadium shows. I think a, a baseball one is a little different than, than one like that. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move along. Uh, very excited to talk to our next guest, uh, a pioneer of the sport of mixed martial arts and uh, one that has, has seen and done it all from the business side of things, a very important part of the growth of the sport. 
Uh, you, you know him from you know the, the famous Tap Out Trio, and uh, he's coming on today to talk about this amazing new documentary that was just released last week by the great director Bobby Razek about the late, great Charles Mask Lewis. Uh, it's an amazing film. If you have not seen it, I do urge you to see it if you're a fan of MMA or not. It, uh, it, it is great insight into the early years of the sport and into a very important player in the sport's growth. We're talking to Dan Caldwell, a.k.a. Punkass of Tap Out fame. He's joining us right now via the Magic of Skype. There he is. Punkass, I have not seen you in a while, my friend. It's good to see you. Well, what's up, Ariel? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. It has been a minute. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Let's talk about this documentary first. I watched it yesterday. Very emotional, obviously. Uh, you know, his untimely death. It, it feels like it was yesterday, and I can't imagine what it feels like for you to relive all of that. Uh, like I said, a, a, a huge part of the growth of the sport, a pioneer. There's a reason why he's in the Hall of Fame, and, and rightfully so. But you guys have been working on this for quite some time. Like, the trailer was released in 2013. Why did it take so long for the movie to finally come out? I think because we were self-capitalizing it and uh, we just wanted to get it right. We just kept tweaking it and tweaking it and adding pieces and we found new video and found new audio. So things we kept finding, I was going through my garage and found some stuff. I had a friend come to me and he, he gave us probably our earliest video we've ever had, which was he had had some video of uh, we were competing at this guy, Alan Wrench's judo tournament and or actually it was a jiu-jitsu tournament mark layman was there um john lewis was there it was really small it only had two competitors mats and i was competing and he was selling uh he had his table set up behind and and the guy had walked up and videotaped some of charles and he came to me like six months ago and said hey i got some video and we wanted to make sure we added that video in so just some really good stuff we want to make sure that was in there and just we kept tweaking it till it was right What's it like for you to watch the film and, and, and see the interviews of him and the early days of you guys together? You were partners in crime. You were all over the sport. You were doing you know, just as much as any promoter to build this sport and make it into what it is today. To relive those times, to relive the accident, how do you do it? Um, I think it's because they were such good times, that we had such great times doing everything that we were doing, that when I look at that, I, I, I remember them as good times. So... It always it always puts a smile on my face. I, I'm I'm glad that we we had brought a video guy with us everywhere. We, I mean, early on from 1999, we had a videographer with us all the time. We were just we had this guy who just followed us around and he he recorded a bunch of video and so we had some really early footage that was great to be able to add on to on to this documentary. And going back to look at it, I mean, it was a lot of it was raw, and so we had to go back and look at some of the raw footage and really mix some of that up because we some of the stuff we were making videos back then. We would say, "Hey, look, you buy ninety nine dollars worth of clothing, we'll send you this video." So we made this video where we would get different fights from different promoters, and we would put them all on one video. So we had one fight from King of the Cage, Hook and Shoot, Super Brawl, and we put all these fights together on one tape hmm. with a bunch of little skits that we had made. Uh, in between, and it was kind of like this just crazy video that you would get for 99 bucks, or when you spent 99 bucks, yeah. you'd get it free. In a weird way, did it help you grieve, you know, looking back at all this stuff, putting it together? Was it was it helpful to, to honor your friend and business partner, Your like I said, your partner in crime? Did, did, it, did it actually, you know, help more than hurt in, in a strange way? Yeah. Oh, I think it was really about honoring Charles. Um, his word, you know, I'm 
I get to do these types of interviews and I'm still here to talk about the, you know, what we did and the legacy of, you know, the early days of MMA, but he's, he's not here anymore. So I really wanted, I didn't want his voice to be forgotten. And anybody who does forget it, they can always go back and watch this video and see hmm. the struggle. I mean, this video, see, we'd, we'd started out, this movie was supposed to be about us three. Ah. We had started making this video or this movie uh, and if you ever see the, you see, there's a, um, a 15 minute clip on YouTube called underdogs. Yeah. And that was the beginning stages. The movie was actually supposed to be called underdogs and it was about us and our early years of tap out. And then when Charles passed away, we switched it and, and turned the focus onto him. What do you think Charles Lewis would say about MMA and in particular the UFC today? The Reebok deal, the amount of events, the way the sport has has grown for better or worse. Knowing him like you do, what do you think he'd say about it? Well, I think there's, you know, there's always disappointment there. Um, there were, you know, promises made and things that, you know, discussions that we had had. And we, uh, we just always felt like there would be some part in whether even if it wasn't at that level in the UFC for us and uh it just you know it wasn't up the money it wasn't even the money because you know and that's a whole nother discussion but it's uh you know I think he'd be disappointed but there's always a part of us that were just fans of mixed martial arts so it's just stepping back and out of that uh we're excited about the growth of mixed martial arts and the growth of the sport and the growth of uh, the UFC. Uh, I know a few years back, uh, you and Skyscrape sold the company. Um, so I'm wondering, do you have any affiliation to tap out anymore? Um, we just, you know, we talked to them. We're not, um, we're not on the payroll of that. We still own a piece of that company, but we're not on the payroll of, of them, of the authentic brands group team anymore. No. How do you feel about the direction? of the brand. I know now they're with WWE, uh, very much less so with MMA. Um, and in general, it's just, it, it just feels like a different brand. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, that's, it is a different brand, but it's the, you know, it's the survival of a brand. It needs to go on. It needs to keep, it does it domestically. It's really, you know, not in the place that I would like it to be, but internationally it has a lot of growth and it's in a lot of places that, uh, we wouldn't have been. We would have had a hard time or a long time. It would have taken us to to really expand the brand in those locations. So it, it has expanded in the way that it's ex, uh, expanded internationally. But it's uh, you know disappointing some of the things that happened domestically with the with what's going on. Do you think if if Charles was still around, you would have never sold the company? You know I, you know I think about that, and there were a lot of things going on with um the crash of the market and and yeah. you know just everything was happening at once charles passing away and uh, the you know a big part of absolutely I, I i don't think it would have been sold i'm not sure that would have been the best thing for the brand though too you know at that point um but the brand not being sold a lot of the reason the brand was sold was just because i was just tired of I didn't want to do it without Charles anymore. Mm -hmm. It was, we started this as a company together 
And that was the exciting part. We were two friends starting this company, and that's what was exciting. And not having that dynamic anymore, it was like the dynamic duo wasn't wasn't there. You know, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I feel like um, in some ways I was Robin, and I don't want to do this without Batman. So, do you still attend MMA and in particular UFC events? Because, like I say, I, I used to see you all the time checking into the hotel at the events. You were there. You were all there. You were you were synonymous with with the the UFC brand. You were like a, a Bruce Buffer or Dana or an Ariane. Like you, those are certain figures that you want to see at a <laughs> UFC event over the last decade. They, you guys are a part of the show, and you would sit there in the front row with your gear and everything fans would come up to you. Do you still go to those events? You know, I do. I, I, I usually pick and choose them a little bit more carefully. I'm, I'm trying to spend a little more time with the family. You know, I got kids and, and uh, I really want to see them more. I spent 15 years running around, you know, I, I think ever since UFC 23, we've been pretty much almost not every UFC, but a lot of them, mm -hmm. most of them. And uh, so it's been, you know, it's been crazy and flying all over the world. I, I just recently lost my passport. I was so disappointed. Oh. May have lost him there first. Oh, there he is. Sorry, sorry, I'm right here. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was insane. So it was just, uh, you know, it was a crazy roller coaster ride that um, I just wanted to settle down a little bit. So I'm still going the big ones. I'll be, I'll be at Jose Aldo and okay. uh, McGregor. I won't, I won't miss that weekend. But uh, yeah, and I, you know, I use, I'll hit Memorial. I'll hit some of the far ones. That, you know, I'll decide to. Well, you know, there's a good one. I almost went to that one in. Oh. Just uh, sorry about that. No Disappointed problem. now that I didn't go to that one. But uh, some, uh, yeah, you know, I, I enjoy it. So you still watch the sport, you, despite the fact that you say you're disappointed with a few things and promises and whatnot. You don't really hold any, you know, ill feelings toward the sport. No, no. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's business. I understand business too. Um, I've had to make unfortunate decisions because of business and it's, it's tough sometimes and you got to make business decisions and you got to do the things that you feel are right for your brand. I mean, I'm sure you're a businessman. You've, you know, you come across a business decision that probably you, you make because you're looking at the bigger picture mm -hmm. for all, everybody that's involved. And, and I understand those decisions. It w is it disappointing? Absolutely. But is it where um, I would I have made the same decision? Maybe. You know, it's like it's it's hard to understand. It's it's they're making decisions based on their brand and where their loyalty lies, and to you know the thousand people that they are obligated to, including the fighters. And to be clear, are you alluding to the Reebok deal? The fact that you guys can't sponsor fighters anymore in the cage. Um, that, yeah, I mean, that's disappointing. Yeah. You know, I hate that. I love the fighters. That's what built this brand is that we were about the fighters. We loved, I loved the, you know, they're our friends. I still yeah. talk to these guys. I, I, you know, and it's, it's, it's just hard because that part of it is I really want to help the fighters. Mm. Uh, I, I remember a quote from the film where, um, mask says we are going to stay in this sport until it gets to its pinnacle. And so do you feel like in, in a weird way you weren't able to fulfill that? Because one could say that its pinnacle was a few years ago, you know, with Brock Lesnar and all that stuff. So you did reach the mountaintop in that regard. But does a part of you wish you stuck around a little longer? Oh, of course. I wish we stuck around longer. Um, but I do think we saw its peak hmm. uh, in some ways. I mean, not that it can't grow still as a sport. I still think it is growing as a sport. But um, I think we saw – 
you know, we, we were in this sport when it was illegal. I was arrested at, you know, for being at an MMA event. It's like, that's the, that's, that shows you where we were. I mean, we were running, we picked up our, our totes and our clothes and took off running. I mean, these things were, I remember using secret passwords to get into fights. Uh, John Lober's event in, uh, in uh, Huntington beach. I mean, all these, those, that was, those were real illegal events back when it was only legal in three States in the, in the country. So to see it now where it is today, I mean, I, I got to believe that was the pinnacle if there's a, if you can compare that. And you know, it's funny, like you're talking like that. And if you have someone who speaks like that about a different kind of sport or a form of entertainment, you would think that was 50 years ago. That was like 15 years ago that you were doing that. Isn't it, right. isn't it surreal when you take a step back and see just how much has happened in the last, you know, less than two decades? I, you know, I feel privileged to be a part of it. You know, I think back and I think, you know, we saw... You know, this is and, and yeah, it, now things move so much faster. So when you think about uh, baseball in 1918, yeah. you know, it's like this is this is where we are. But it all said, imagine seeing 1918, but then five years seeing five years later, seeing 1950, you know, and then five years later, seeing 1980. Right. You know, that's about we saw the whole we saw 100 <laughs> years. Boy. Oh, Sorry. Yeah, I'm back on. Sorry about that. Uh, that's the that's the down, downgrades of using your phone and leaving your laptop at your other house. Oh, no problem. But um, uh, so, you know, uh, we've seen 100 years. It's it's great. It's incredible. And um, and I, I'm excited for the sport, excited where where, you know, where we started and where, what we were able to build. I mean, if I, I like to look at the glass as being half full instead of half empty here. Uh-huh. And um I'm sure Mask would feel the same because he was an incredibly positive man. Um, So I'm just curious, like, what do you do on a daily basis now that you're no no longer on the payroll? Like, what are you working on these days? Um, I have other companies I've been working on, and uh, you know, I I I I do a lot of investments. Mostly, that's what I've been doing. It makes it easier to be able to sit back and invest in companies. And look at a company from thirty thousand feet, not have to be in the day-to-day minutia of dealing with the BS, and uh-huh. it's just more fun and keeps. I get to enjoy myself a little bit more. Get to do some more vacations, and I, I you know, I'd never done. I hadn't done a vacation in ten years. I mean, well, our vacations were going to you right. know our first UFC in England or something like that was a vacation for us. So, but uh, it's just. Uh, I, I'm trying to enjoy myself with my family more, and but still, I'm building credible businesses and work with other people. I've been speaking a lot too, which has been really fun. Uh, going to speak to business conferences and and high schools and and all that's been I really enjoyed that a lot. I've been working on that a lot. Do you still speak to Skyscrape? And if so, how's he doing? I do. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, he started a a, a muffler company called uh, Black Widow Mufflers. Okay, and uh, there it's. It's sick. He's outfitting my 63 and my truck. And, um, he, you know, he, he's always loved cars. He's been on a bunch of car shows on, um, the, uh, one of those auto channels on television. Yeah. So he's, he's always been in and around cars. He's, as long as I've known him from the very first time I met him, he was, he was running like a, uh, uh, a Chevelle or something, 67 Chevelle. Or, so, and he, he's always had old cars and he's always fixed up old cars. So it's kind of right in his wheelhouse. I'm, he's enjoying himself. By the way, I, I thought of you guys recently because um, the UFC came out with this new show on Fight Pass called Looking for a Fight where they go around and try to find 
up and coming talent. And I was like, this is the tap out show from 2007. Right? This is back in the day. Right? You guys, did you, did you think the same thing when you saw that? I thought the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, we should go do our show again. I was, I really, that was the, that was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life doing those two shows. And, you know, we were slated to do a third season before Charles passed away. It was right before oh, our wow. third season started. So it was really, I, you know, that was the one thing I, I really wish we'd have been able to do one more season. Cause we were really dialing in what we did. And uh, it was really getting fun. It, the first, the first time it was it was long, and we were trying to figure things out still. But by the second season, we were having a lot of fun. By third season, we were going to kill it. Yeah. So um, I wish we'd have been able to do another season. But it's a great. I love. I'm glad that somebody's doing that formula because it was. They, I'm sure they're enjoying themselves. So it's been six and a half years, and you you never get over something like that, a tragedy like that. Do you still feel like a part of you is gone? I mean, do you feel as though every single day, every single moment, you're still thinking about your friend? And, you know, no matter what, I know time heals wounds, but it'll, it'll just never be the same in your life? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm actually, he inspires me a lot, especially when in my speaking now. Mm. He's in, he inspires me so much that I think about him like he's still here. But I do when I really if I sit down and have a chance to really reminisce, especially like watching this movie, I go back and, and I want to say this, this movie isn't a downer. You know, it has a, it's a really positive movie in a lot of ways. I agree. But um, I want people to be inspired by it. Like I'm inspired by him all the time. I when I think about our early conversations, you know, we were friends for 10 years before we started the company and um or like eight years. And, uh, and I, I enjoyed every single one of our conversations. I still remember things that we would say to each other and just how he was, you know, he was like almost 10 years older than I was. So I looked at him like a big brother and, um, and he was just, I mean, he was just, his thought process was just so much different than everybody else's. And he really helped me start to think like that and just the, the way he would think and how he would look at a problem. And it's, it's encouraged me to look at life different and treat my kids different and treat the way I, I look at success and the way I look at myself and my chance for to, to go out and create success. So um, it's, I think I want that. I'm hoping that's what that, this movie does for people. Anybody who's thinking about starting a business or anybody who knows the Tap Out brand, if you've never even heard of the Tap Out brand, this can be an inspiring movie and really teaches you a lot about who who Charles was. I'm happy you said that. Uh, a, it's a, it's a beautiful film, and you all should be very proud of it. But even if you're not an MMA fan, it's it's like the American dream. It's it's about starting a company from your car and building it up to a multi-million dollar enterprise, uh, and that's what you guys did. So, you know, tragically, it ended a little short, but uh, what a great film to have for, for you to show your kids and for his legacy to live on. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun for me who, you know, obviously came into the sport a little later to see those early days. Cause I have a great appreciation for people like you and him and skyscrape and everyone else back in the day who was doing this to get us to this point. So I, I really urge anyone who's an MMA fan, new or old, not even an MMA fan to watch this cause it's an important part of history. And you guys, I think did it wonderfully. Oh, thanks. Ariel. I remember doing an interview right after he passed away. I think in probably like 2009 or 10 with you, uh, I think we were out by the Hudson, or yes. somewhere out by the water there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just a, a great time. You've you've always been a great person in the sport. I love to see you grow too. I, I enjoy seeing everybody grow in this sport because it's really it gave people a chance to come from those 
humble beginnings and really grow into something special. I mean, dude, it's watching you on Foxes. I just sit back and go, man, I was next to this dude when he was interviewing me with a little tiny microphone yes. from his pocket. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like crazy to see how far people have come. And uh, it's great to see you come this far, and I enjoy you having me on here. Well, it was great to catch up. Again, you could go on Vimeo right now, vimeo.com. Just type in mask. It will come up. Uh, it's it's a very cheap rental, and, and it's a quick and very enjoyable watch. You can uh, sit back and learn a lot about where this sport came from and, 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 and where it is today. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I can't say enough good things. Thank you so much for the time. Congrats on the film. Good luck with the film, and hopefully we'll catch up again sooner rather than later. I'll see you in December. All right, in December, I'll see you there. I'm going to be out there. Looking forward to Vegas. it. There he is, okay, punk thanks, ass guys. from Tap Out Fame, Dan Caldwell. Great stuff from him. Really appreciate his time, as always. It was very nice to... Uh, to catch up with him. All right, let's move along now. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, our last show, we talked about Hoist Gracie coming out of retirement and fighting Ken Shamrock. That's that's a big deal. The other big fight that night for Bellator in Houston, Texas, is going to be a, a very interesting grudge match, a very unique grudge match. It's going to be Data 5000 against the one and only Kimbo Slice. And Kimbo Slice was on our show around a month and a half or, or, or so ago, one of our favorite guests. It was our 300th episode, and he was kind enough to join us, but we didn't know about this fight happening. So we had to get him back on to talk about it all. And this time, there's a twist. This time, we're being joined by his longtime manager and friend, Mike Imber, who has been uh, very kind to me over the years, so I'm very happy that he's on the phone as well. They're both joining us on the phone right now. Kimbo, Mike, are you there? We're here. Hey, what's up, my man? What's up, guys? It's great to have you on the program. Thank you very much for, for the time. So, Kimbo, let me start with you. You know, a, a lot of people, I mean, everyone in MMA, in or out of MMA, knows who you are. You are uh, synonymous with the sport. You are a face of the sport. But when they announced this particular fight, they were like, who's Data 5000? A, a lot of MMA fans didn't know who he was because they don't know. And he's had a couple of fights, but they don't know about his background. Is this different? From all your fights, because of the, the background, I want you to get into it in a second, but does this one feel different? Is it more personal than even the Ken Shamrock fight or any of the others? Yeah, Ariel, man, this fight is real personal. Because I know this fuck nigga, man, you know? This cat know me. We know each other very well. So for him to be running his mouth like he's running his mouth, this shit makes it personal. Okay, so explain to us why. Why, why is it so personal? Tell us the background. I mean, for the nature of things, Ariel, man, you know, first of all, we went to school together, just to rough it up. We went to school together. We grew up in the same fucking neighborhood. So this man, this nigga know me. He knows a great deal about me. He knows I'm a type of person that grew up in our neighborhood as being a fighter. I'm a type of nigga that will put the hands on you. You know what I'm saying? So he knows that much about me. He ain't that type of nigga. He didn't grow up like I grew up. Even though we're from the same neighborhood, this fuck nigga know what type of nigga I am, even to this day. So for him to be running his mouth the way he's running his mouth, Ariel, he's making, he's just made this shit super personal. Super personal. M Mike, let me ask you, uh, I can hear it in his voice. You're, you're there with Kimbo. You know him better than anyone. Have you ever felt him this way? I mean, do you, have you ever thought that he, like, have you ever seen him, I should say, this way before a fight, no. any kind of fight? No, actually, no, I haven't. And at the same time, I've never really wanted to do an interview with him like this. But, you know, he's had over 20 pro fights, and this is the first one I'm really doing with him. And it's really just to clarify a few things. We actually had all went to high school together. And, um, you know, when Kimbo finally got 
you know, his, his chance and he ended up going to fight pro, it was his decision, along with one of our good friends who passed away, Big Sean, to, uh, you know, bring on a few of our buddies to ride with us. He wasn't a bodyguard. Kimbo didn't need a fucking bodyguard. We just brought some of our old people from the neighborhood with us. What is right? When I fought against Ray Mercer for Cage Fury back right. in the days. Okay. So what really ended up happening was, you know, and Dada obviously had some side to him. He wanted, you know, to get involved in it. And we actually let one of Kimbo's trainers at the, the time, Randy Katami, hold pads for him. And all he did was shake his head like, you know, I'm not going to waste my time with him. So, but at the same time, you know, Dada, he, he really wanted to give it a shot. And at the time, you know, it wasn't about getting him a pro fight. He was, you know, just going to do one of these backyard fights. And what ended up happening was we were in Vegas for a convention. He was with us and we set up a fight for him there. The day of the fight, he came walking into our hotel room and was like rolling his ankle around and said his ankle didn't feel good and he didn't want to do it. And he had to back out. And obviously that didn't sit well. These people that were in Vegas, they weren't the type of, type of people to back out from. And, um, you know, we let it go. We got back home and we actually let him do uh, one of these fights, which was the clip that you saw that, I don't know, maybe he thought was buried somewhere. It's never been seen, and I shared it with you because one of his big things was that we were afraid he was going to take Kimbo Shine from him. Well, if you share that video with your viewers and yourself and whoever else, I think it speaks for itself. It wasn't, a, there's no, it didn't, it didn't seem like there is anything there. Um, so what ended up happening, you know, he supposedly, you know, got better and he wanted to have another fight and we set up this fight with this guy at a ghouls named Kelly Sessions. Ghouls is, you know, like a neighborhood like Perrine and this guy, Kelly Sessions was known to be a nasty brother with some mean hands and we set up this fight and the day of the fight, guess what? Dada no shows. Hmm. doesn't come. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, somebody else from our neighborhood, this guy Level. He's had a couple pro fights. He actually fought my Oregon and beat him in an MMA fight. Uh-huh. Well, Level fights at middleweight, or maybe even less than middleweight. But he's a true G. And he, that day, Kelly Sessions was there expecting the fight, and Level went and fought him. He was giving up probably 60 pounds, fought like a 12-minute war and beat him. But he took that fight because Dada no-showed again. And part of this recurring theme is, you know, the people that are around Dada now, all they know is what he's told them. You know, they've drank his Kool-Aid just like he's drinking his own Kool-Aid. He's never been a fighter. You can tell by the, the two real MMA, the pro matches he had, you know, how he looks in the cage. But I'll give credit where it's due, and he's a decent promoter that he was able to get himself out there. And he, I guess he's an okay referee, but he is a decent promoter. And one thing that he did do was find himself a great filmmaker to expose what, was, what he was doing in the backyard in Billy Corbin. Who's, you know, a, a very bright guy, and, you know, like I said, he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant filmmaker.
However, he didn't do his due diligence because if he would have tried to talk to either myself or Kimbo together, we would have let him know what he was dealing with. He didn't really fact check, you know, and, he, you know, Donna claims he's like a street fighting legend or something. He claims he's 38 and 0. He's never had more than two fights in the backyard. And if he's had any more than two fights, where are they at? Where, where is it at? You know, it's nowhere. Who, who's even said they've seen it? You can check our story. You could, you could ask Level, Level Martinez. He's the one that stood up and fought Telly that day. This guy wasn't even anywhere in the neighborhood. So, yeah, this makes it personal because, you know, in that documentary, they tried to make it seem that we were afraid that he was going to take, take something away from Kimbo. They don't even know us. We would love to have put people on. We're not afraid of anyone taking anything. But the fact of the matter is there was nothing to take because he didn't have shit. So we didn't even want him part of our team because he couldn't fucking fight. And when he backed out of the second fight, we really wanted nothing to do with him. And that's the true story why we parted ways. Mm. It wasn't on his end. It was on our end. We don't let fake people be around us. And that's exactly what he is. He shouldn't be fighting anymore. He should be refing fights or promoting his little backyard league that he's trying to do. So, Kimbo, with that in mind, and I appreciate that uh, because obviously the story that I've read countless times now is that he was security guard and decided to go his own way, and that I've read that you know you guys were kind of upset about that, and that created this rift. Kimbo, with that all in mind. Uh, were you in favor of this fight when you were approached by Scott Coker and his, and his team? Like, did you want to, like I said, everyone knows who you are in the MMA world. A different group knows who he is. Um, and maybe people who saw the documentary as well. But in our little world here, everyone knows who you are. So you're kind of bringing him along for the ride. You're, you're propping him up. Did you want to open that can of worms on Spike and for Bellator? Yeah. Eric, I'm going to be straight up with you, man. You know what I'm saying? When, before we even got approached with, with this fight, with this dude, you know what I'm saying? That I was talking a lot of shit as well to 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 on the street level. You know what I'm saying? The shit was getting back to me on the street level of things. You know, I keep my ear to the streets. This fuck nigga do a lot of talking, man. And I don't I don't like that. I don't appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? To the point to where, you know, I was gonna come to this crib. This pussy nigga talking about, you know what I'm saying, he gonna offer me a job. Fuck nigga, you still live with your mama. Nigga, I done made seven figures, bro. Four times over. How the fuck you gonna offer me a job, man? You know what I'm saying? And that's disrespect. Not only you done stole my fucking image, you done got my fucking tattoos, you say you from the Bahamas, man, you know what I'm saying? It's like when I when you know, when I got approached with this fight from Bellator, you know what I'm saying? It was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna do this. You know, this it, you don't even gotta ask me twice. Mm. I'll sign this shit right now. Let's get this shit out of the way now. Because I already owe this fuck nigga ass whooping. We was gonna go to this nigga crib, knock on his mama's door, where he still lives at, and be like, nigga, let's run it. Let's run it now. You know what I'm saying? In your yard. Let's do it right here, right now. But the pussy nigga was never around. We had a homeboy that passed away. I went to the wake. When this nigga knew that I was at the wake, he didn't even show up to pay respects. Because I was there. You know what I'm saying? So, Dada, man, he, he really digging himself into a hole here, Ariel. You know, I don't really like to come off like this. You know, I never wanted, you know, people to really see this angry side of me like this. And I'm gritting my teeth, but they gold, so I ain't got to worry about nothing. <laughs> but, man, this pussy nigga's really trying me. And he's still running his mouth. 
like 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 a real fuck nigga. See, I'm responding to the bullshit accusations this man is coming with. I'm responding to it, Ariel. But you know me from in the future, from the past, bro. I'm never the one to really run my mouth to any other fighter. I just get in the ring and I'll try to knock your ass out. But this going to be a different fight. I'm grinding differently. I'm training differently. I want to shut this nigga up, break his jaw, like seriously focusing on breaking his jaw. Seriously focusing on breaking his ribs. I mean, goddamn. I wish the ref don't even be in the ring. I mean, we don't really need one. He, he a ref. He, he going to quit himself. I'm a man. This shit is personal, bro. I mean, I get worked up talking about this dude. You know, just just for the nature of things, man. And you know, like I said, I you know I I, I never wanted people to you know what I'm saying see this part of me like this here because I'm I'm really getting you know getting twisted right now. Hey, I want to just clarify one other thing, Ariel. While Kimbo Please. takes a little breather, he's ready to go chill. <laughs> you know, in 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 their documentary that they did, you know, they portrayed it that we actually went to his first pro fight. You know, to support him. We went because our friend Ray Fuentes had his first pro fight that evening, and that's why we were there. We also witnessed that he was fighting a guy, meaning Dada, fought a guy who was 0-6, and they had to pull that grown man off of him in order to make it fair and for him to be able to win that fight. He fought a guy who never even won a fight, 0-6, and he couldn't hang in and handle his own. And then they gave him one other guy who was one in ten after that. So he's had zero accomplishments in the cage, really even out of the cage, other than being a promoter. And he gets credit for being a decent promoter, and he's done a good job with that. But as a fighter, I think he fucking he really stepped the wrong way because uh, you know he's going to see an angry dude across from him. So Mike, as his longtime friend, you like I said, you know Kimbo better than anyone. Is there any concern on your part? You see him right now. He's super fired up. He's never been like this before. That he's going to fight too emotionally in there? That he's going to stray away from what he needs to do to win this fight? I mean, he, you know, he, he's always been, you know, uh, in control of his own emotions. And I think he knows how to channel it in the right way. And he'll use them to his advantage. Um, but, you know, you can't help but have this be personal. And and. You know, he rubbed him the wrong way. It's almost like, you see that movie, Single White Female? Yes. He's like the single black male. <laughs> he literally got the same no-fear tax, painted his nails black, grew his beard out. I mean, it's fucking weird is what it is. You know, he can say whatever he wanted or wants. He, you know, he didn't invent the beard. He didn't invent this. But the yeah. fact of the matter is the guy really got the same fucking tattoos. It's just weird. So... I guess if somebody did that to me or you, you know, yeah, you take it personally. So as worked up as he is right now, I think he's going to be, be fine come fight night. Just make him train a little harder and make him break that jaw a little more. Uh, Kimbo, you were with him in Houston when they announced it. Um, so I'm wondering, A, when's the last time you were actually in the same room as him? And B, what was that like for you? Was it hard for you to, you know, not attack the guy considering how you feel about him? No, Ariel, it ain't hard because, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I am down to fight this motherfucker, bro, in or out of the ring at this point. You know what I'm saying? He just need to watch his fucking self. You know what I'm saying? Because that I know from the original, dog, I'm a street fighter, bro. I don't really need to be in the cage for this one here. I've made my change. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed financially. Motherfucker, you need to watch your step. 
if we are ever in the same room because of Bellator put this put this here together here, he need to watch what he say. If he even look at me hard, I'm gonna hit him in his mouth. So he's you know so I ain't got nothing to worry about, man. I'm 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 ready to run it with this nigga. Either way it goes, either way it goes. If he switch out fight night, if he switch out to fight night February 19th, I'm gonna fucking still fight him. Hmm. If he's still in Texas and he switch out, the fight gonna still go down. Either way it goes, this pussy nigga owe me this. He owe me this one here. You know, you 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 took 25 minutes out of your time and created me in a fucking video game, and he created himself and he showed it. I mean, it was funny, dude. This man showed himself beating me up on a video game and recorded on Instagram. I thought it was the funniest shit in the world, man. And I'm like, this is his dream fight in a video game. Okay, fine. So now we're going to make this shit personal. We're going to make this shit live. It's going to be real. Ariel, man, forgive me for not being able to answer you in the way you want me to, bro, but this, 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 the streets right here, baby. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, this is, you know, you know, he won a dog fight. This is what it is. You know, Bellator, I thank God that they put this shit together. But they're going to get, people are going to get what they want to see. Me knocking this motherfucker out, man. And, and that's just the bottom line. And, and I mean, this fight can go however Donna wanted to go. We can wrestle this bitch. We can mm-hmm. take it to the ground. I'm ready for whatever. But this man cannot see me in the hand game. You know what I'm saying? If he wanted, I want to do, I want to do whatever. Whatever the fuck he want to do, I'm down with it. But I'm going to end this shit. I'm going to end his career. I'm going I'm to wipe his mouth up. You know, he's going to be drinking out of a straw for like three, four months. And I guarantee you that I'm focusing on really shutting this dude up. Literally, I'm focusing on that. No need to apologize. I, I definitely appreciate, appreciate the passion. Uh, Mike, from, from your perspective, you know this game very well. Is it kind of a mistake to not have this fight in Miami? Because I feel like it would sell in a second if it was there. Well, I mean, you know, obviously it'd be great to have it in our backyard, but, um, you know, it's, it's not our decision. Um, it it, it would have been phenomenal if it would have been at one of the Miami arenas. But, you know, Bellator's got their, you know, their plans, and, we're, you know, we're just going along with it. But, he, you know, he's all, Kimbo's always got a lot of love in Texas, so it's all good to do it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of what, what he's done, what, what Dada has done as far as his, quote-unquote, empire? I mean, do you feel like he's just... If, if there was no Kimbo Slice, would there even well, be... Wait a you can't call it an empire. Okay. You know, he's... I apologize. You know, if, anything, if anything, Billy Corbin's the big winner because he's the one that exposed what this guy, you know, what he was doing. So... You know, he put together a great doc. It's just unfortunate that, you know, it was misleading in the fact that, you know, because some people thought Kimbo had something to do with that documentary. Mm. You know, his, that, that, he had nothing to do with it. They never even contacted us. Kimbo's documentary is called The Truth, and that's going to air on Spike before this fight sometime in February. Oh, okay. Um, but you didn't say something maybe about 15 minutes ago about or you open up a can of worms by giving him the exposure. Yeah. And you know what? It is kind of bittersweet by putting him, you know, giving him that exposure that he never would have got. But it's going to expose him in a nasty way because, you know, he is going to get either knocked out or something bad is going to happen to him. Um, I, so, yeah, you know, maybe a lot of other people deserve the fight, and there's a lot of other people out there that Bellator has that we could fight. But this was an option. Kimball obviously really wanted it, and, you know, that's what we're going to make happen. 
Kimbo, what was up uh, from your perspective uh, with with him holding? I think he was holding a sledgehammer. What was he trying to say by by coming out with that and on the poster as well? He's going back to work. <laughs> I um I did a video shoot one time before where I had the sledgehammer with the Lydic C, and I had the sledgehammer with a chain with some chains, and just to see this again, this fuck nigga with the same sledgehammer. And it, it, it just really irks me, man, how this guy literally just takes the time and look over my shit. And then, you know, because all my shit is on the Kimbo305.com site. You'll see, you know, a lot of things that I've done. And it's like this guy just goes on there and literally tries to take whichever one he feels like he wants to do, and he copied the style. So it really bothered me because, you know, you know, when we did the video shoot, it was a lot of shit laying around. And I just grabbed the sludge hammer and I grabbed the... Uh, a, a chain and I wrapped it around my fist. So I like that look, the sledgehammer in one hand and the chain in another hand, you know, and, 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 and we started taking pictures that way. And then for to see him with the sledgehammer, I said, this motherfucker. I said, God damn it, I'm just getting sick of this guy. Every time I turn around, I'm seeing something that this guy's stealing in my style. So it, it's just fucking with me. Little shit is just fucking with me. Mike, were you there in Houston? Am I gonna be there? In no, Houston? no. W- were you there in Houston when they made the announcement? Oh, I was there. Yes. What was it like for you? Wait, actually, no. They made the announcement in San Jose. My mistake. Yes. Uh, no, actually, wait, 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 St. Louis. St. No, Louis. My bad. St. Louis. My bad. My yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, were you there? Um, yeah, I was there. Hey, I'm as emotional as he is, just because, <laughs> like, look, we all went to high school together. I know what kind of person Ferg was in high school. I know what kind of person Dada was, and you know. Ferg thought he was doing him a favor by bringing him around when, when he had his first pro fight. And he, you know, he, he went and he did his thing. If he just would have kept his mouth shut and just played referee and promoter, it, you know, it probably would have been all right. And we would have supported him. But it's the fact that he really, you know, he, he's pressed the issue. And, and now he's got it. So I, I feel... Every inch of what Kimbo feels, other than he didn't put my tattoos on his body, he didn't put my beard or whatever, you know, he took all these personal things from him and put it on himself. So, I mean, I get it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, so, so Kimbo, during your time away from the sport, I know you dabbled a little bit of boxing. Did anyone try to make this fight before, even maybe not in a, an actual MMA cage or ring? I mean, how close were you guys to fighting in the past, uh, in the backyard or not? Let me answer that. Uh, World Series of Fighting actually tried to make the fight. Okay. And uh, Dada placed himself too, too far out because he knew they weren't going to pay it. He, he acted like he was interested, but he never took it. Hmm. And so, yeah, they did try to make that happen. That was before Kimbo was signed with Bellator. And that was a fight we wanted, but, you know, he, uh, yeah, he, he priced himself too far out so they wouldn't pay it. Do you have similar friends right now, Kimbo? And, like, is he trying to recruit people from your team, or did he ever try? Is it, is it at all awkward like that between you two? Anybody that rides with him from Pauline is choosing the wrong fucking horse. <laughs> they're not the real people from down there if they're, if they're riding with him. And, you know, that, that, that's their mistake. And if, if that's what they want to do, neither one of us give a fuck. That's true. And, 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 and I, I couldn't say that better, but the, 
Hey, yo, real talk, though, man. Everybody from our neck of the woods, everybody from down south, man, from Perrine, Richmond Heights, Goose, South Memory Heights, Cutler Ridge, Cutler Manor, you know what I'm saying, Homestead, everybody down on that end, just Dade County, period, in general, Liberty City, Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, you know, Lincoln Field, everybody from down on our end, they know what's up, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they fucked with him a little bit because he, you know what I'm saying, started doing, you know, in the backyard thing a little bit after we stopped. So, he, you know, he gave, a, you know, a little bit more entertainment to the people in the hood, you know, and, and they kind of like that, you know what I'm saying? But now do they, on this level here, between me and this nigga here, do they fully support him? Oh, I don't think so, Eric. I don't think they're going to ride with this fuck nigga because mm. they know he's phony, you know what I'm saying? Now, he may have some people in his corner, you know what I'm saying, that tooting his horn a little bit. Like I said, he's drinking his own Kool-Aid, and he got them people drinking his shit, too. But the real, real motherfuckers from Perrin, the real people from down south, the real two-hearted people from down south, and our nigga in the woods, area, they know what's up. They're going to listen to your They're going to listen to the show. They, gonna, they know what's up already, man. So this is why this is going to be probably one of the most viewed watch fights. You know what I'm saying? The highest ratings, one of the highest ratings Spike TV is going to get. Because a lot of people from that area, we talking about, I'm talking about an entire state. You know what I'm saying? Almost an entire state in, the, in a few a few cities, over 10, 15 cities, who may not be able to make it to Texas. Everybody's going to be tuning in. It won't even be no crimes committed <laughs> in the streets of Florida that night of the, of the 19th of February. People are going to all be tuned in, watching me knock this fuck nigga out. How far do you guys live from each other? Do you, do you, do you see him often when you're out and about? Ariel, I'm a six, I'm a seven-figure nigga, Ariel. I've moved up, baby. I'm out there with the white folks now, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This nigga's still living with his mama. We don't live close to each other right now. But I know where he stays. He's still living in my old neighborhood. Do you have any idea where he'll be training for the fight? Like from what I read, he's training in his backyard. Oh. I'm training in my backyard too, really. <laughs> Just at ATT. That's right. Have you started training yet? Yeah. I've been mentally, I've been training from whenever this, this fight was signed mentally. But yes, I've been training. I've been moving it a little bit around until it's time to get into crunch time. So I don't burn myself out. So I don't start, I don't start peaking. But yeah, I'm training right now. And and I, I know you like you said you've been thinking about this fight for a long time. Have you envisioned the way it's going down? Do you already see how this whole thing is going to unfold on the nineteenth of February? Yeah, I mean I saw it all. I'm a little afraid. I'm afraid that if this dude if this happens and I get knocked out, that I might commit suicide. I'm afraid that I'm afraid of a lot of things because every fighter has a fighting chance is a punch away from a win. So with, with just with that alone, I take every fight respectfully. And, you know, I come in smart. I come in sharp, keep my D tight, keep that chin tucked. You know, I'm a smarter fighter. You know, I'm a stronger fighter. I got more heart than Dada. My balls is bigger than his. Dada is not whooping me in this fight. There's nothing he can do in this fight that's going to hurt me or move me. So there's nothing that I've he does that... I've been in this fight quite a few times. Nothing about his, his game that you've seen, I mean, from, from limited, you know, footage uh, that concerns you at all. Ariel, I fought some of the best. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm a very confident fighter. And when my mind and my heart and my spirit are all in the same accord, I'm a force to be reckoned with within my own rights. Sometimes I fear myself. 
you know, and um, I just got to take I just got to take a breather from time to time and gather myself because I get too worked up from it. So between now and then, I'll be you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be all right. <laughs> right now, <laughs> I'm so fucking hot, man. You know, shit is it's just really touching right now. Mike, how do you how do you uh, keep Kimbo focused here and not not let him get too crazy? Or do you not even uh, try? He'll be all right. He'll be he, all right? He, 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 oh, man, he'll be fine. He don't need me for that. All right. Um, yeah, but, hey, Dick, <laughs> we need each other, but, nah, he's going to be just fine. Um, what do you think this does ratings-wise, Mike? Um, well, you know, we are, obviously, uh, Hoist and, and Ken and Ken are on the, on the same night. So I think with that combo, it should at least do what uh, Kimbo Shamrock did. Um, you know, obviously Dada brings nothing to the table promotionally-wise with his name. So it's gonna, it'll be Kimbo, Hoist, and, and Ken bringing the viewers. But uh, I, I say at least does par what the last one did. Okay. And uh, Kimbo, two last things for you, if I can. Uh, you know, what happened... Uh, two weekends ago in in Melbourne with Ronda Rousey actually reminded me of you because the reaction to her knockout, everyone jumped on her and, and, and sent a lot of hate her way. And it kind of reminded me of how everyone was kind of celebrating to a degree when, when you suffered your setback against Seth Petrozelli. And I know you guys are different kind of athletes and everything, but if there's anything that you can say to Ronda at this point, you know, I don't know if you saw that clip of her on TMZ, you know, covering her face and obviously very embarrassed by the whole situation and how she looks. What would you say to her? Yeah, Ronda, don't feel bad, baby. You know, we win some, we lose some. And that's just part of it. You know, we never, you know, go into a fight expecting to lose. No one never goes in a fight expecting to lose. But you just got to know if it does happen, you got to keep your head up anyways. But in your fights, you just keep your chin down and your guards up. But after the shit is over with, you know, just keep your head up, you know. You, from that from that loss, you, you, you gain a victory because then you find out who, your true, who the true people were in your corner. Mm. The true people who were around you will be there and they would know how to communicate with you rather than being on a wimpy wagon like, oh, it's going to be okay and everything's fine. See, that's the type of shit a true champion do not want to hear. You know, when, you, you're, when you, you're, you're a successor, you don't want to hear that type of shit. So the true people would know how to communicate with you, you know, even through that little setback. And that's all it is, Rhonda. It's just a minor setback. You'll be fine, baby. And if Data Five Thousand is uh, is listening to this, the Fear Harris, what's the message to him? Dada, I'm gonna beat your motherfucking ass, man. You already know it. Fuck, nigga. I'm gonna break your shit up. Anything you want to add, Mike? Did you did you watch the video I sent you? I did. We played it. We we were playing it while you guys were talking. Oh, all right, cool. I just wanted, you know, the world to know we weren't, it wasn't about hiding some brutal video that he had. He looked like fucking shit in that video. And we don't have any room for that in our camp. And that's why we, 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 we parted ways, because he backed out of the fight after it. So, it, you know, I just wanted to back up what we were saying. And I think that video speaks for itself. Well, guys, I appreciate the time. I appreciate, you know, how passionate you are about this and uh, looking forward to it. February 19th just got a whole lot more interesting. Kimbo Slice versus Data 5000, a very personal fight. Uh, thank you for coming on this particular show to, to clear the air as best as possible. And, and Kimbo, you know, always a pleasure. Mike, great to have you on. It was fun to interview you for the first time here. 
Uh, much respect to you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having, thanks for having both of us, man. You know, it's much appreciated. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. There they are. Kimbo Slice and his longtime manager and friend, as you heard, went to high school together, Mike Ember, stopping by to, uh, to clear the air on uh, the simmering feud between him and Data5000. Would love to have Data on the show as well. Uh, would, have, would have made it a little tricky at the same time, but uh, we, d- we don't want another uh, Dwayne Ludwig situation, if you know what I'm saying. We would love to have his side. He's done, he's done a few more interviews I've seen. Kimbo's done a few, but uh, now that you know they got their side out, only fair, of course. So uh, interesting stuff there. That's the, uh, the two big fights on February 19th. And uh, I'm super curious to see what kind of what kind of ratings that does on, on Spike TV. Uh, Hoist Gracie versus Ken Shamrock and then Kimbo versus Dada 5000. It's, it's interesting to get his perspective the same way that I asked Carlos Condit. You know, he knows from, from a, a, you know, a different POV about the vitriol, uh, a pro athlete. I mean, anyone who steps into a freaking cage, you know, for an MMA fight, forget about athletes who rise to the occasion and, 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 and compete on the biggest stage possible in basketball, baseball, football, hockey. They deserve a lot of respect as well. And I know they get paid for it, but there's a lot on the line. There's a lot on the line. There's a lot of pressure on their shoulders. And in my opinion, even more so when it's, you know, hand-to-hand combat. You know, for Ronda, whether you love her or hate her, to receive the uh, the backlash that has come her way over the last week or so is 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 unfair. And 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 because of what she's done for everyone, for me as media. Uh, for what she's done for her fellow fighters. I mean, she raised the game. That's a pioneer. That's a trailblazer. None of that changes. Um, and you could be a fan. I mean, Carlos said it perfectly. Just look at what Just look what Holly Holm is saying. Just look at how she's reacting to it all. You know what I mean? I mean, it, just, it reminds me a lot of the Rampage Jackson-Chuck Liddell fight. Uh, Chuck turned the corner. He was on ESPN the Magazine. He was on Entourage. And then he gets knocked out. And everyone jumps off and says, oh, he's a fraud, he's a phony. And this is times a million. But just pay attention to how Holly is dealing with all this. You know, you could be a fan of hers, but to celebrate one's demise is just a, a bad look, in my opinion. She got exposed. She was thoroughly dominated. She was beat up. It was a master class, but a little class would be nice. Maybe it's asking for a lot. Let's move along. Let's go to the Skype machine and welcome in our next guest. Good friend of the show. Joining us once again via the Magic Skype, there he is. You know, since he's become this TV star, radio star, it's very hard to get a few minutes of Michael Bisping's time, but he has carved out some of it for us here. Michael, how are you? I am very well, sir, and uh, always got time for the MMA hour. You know this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Before we get to your business, my friend, I I want to actually get your take on the backlash that Ronda has received. I mean, to a degree, it reminds me somewhat of you know what happened to you with Dan Henderson, everyone just shoving it in your face. And that was a different time, social media-wise, sure. right? She has received some, some vitriol, as I put it earlier. What, what do you make of it? Because I think also it speaks to how popular she was and how she was able to build her star, herself into a star where people actually care whether she wins or loses. So a lot of credit to her, but it's not a good look. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I, I keep losing you a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, Ronda is such a, a big star, such a breakout star and a crossover star, you know. There's people talking about this that don't necessarily follow MMA. For example, I went into the gym last week to lift weights 
and the gym manager and, you know, some old timers that I see in there, you know, just doing their Monday morning workout were coming up to me and saying, wow, did you see that at the weekend? And these are people that don't necessarily follow MMA. So there was a lot more eyes on this than typically, you know, your average knockout in the UFC. And as I say, I think that speaks to the, the level of stardom that she has. Um, of course, you know, I mean, I hate to use that expression, haters are going to hate, but, right. uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, that's what people like to do. They, they like to build people up, and then when they get to a certain level, they like to knock them back down again. Um, you're right, there is some comparisons in terms of the Dan Henderson thing, you know. Um, I, I, I got knocked out, and a lot of people said I was never going to come back from that. And mm. They said I was finished. Mm. Joe Rogan in particular said that. He said, you know, he, he, you can never come back from a knockout like that. Um, and of course I did. And I think Ronda's going through the same thing right now. A lot of people th saying that she's done. Saturday night, I was working on Fox Sports 1 with Rashad Evans, and Rashad was saying, that's it, she'll never return from that. She'll disappear into movies. And I think that's ridiculous. You know, I, I think any person, any competitor that has managed to rise to the top like she did, and any competitor that has that natural competitive streak, you know, she competed at the Olympics, became world champion, to suggest that she's not going to try and return from that and, um, you know, get revenge for that loss and, and, and try and get a belt back. I think that's crazy. That said, that's are it. you disappointed with the way are she's handling the loss? The oh, are, are, we, are we hearing a feedback here? Do you hear me? Okay, it's gone. Um, are you disappointed with the way she's handling the loss? Like, even when she put out a small statement, she didn't congratulate Holly. She hasn't done any interviews. When she was walking out of the airport, she was covering her face. Would you have done it differently? I don't know if I would have done it, done it differently. I think, actually, to be honest, she did the right thing at the airport by covering her face because the photographers, they want that picture, mm. you know, of her face busted up. And that would have then followed her for the rest of her life. Anytime there was any kind of confrontation on social media or anything, they would have, you know, used those pictures, put some, you know, some funny writing at the top and bottom of it. I believe they call it a meme. I'm not down with the kids, so I'm not sure. But a meme, I think, is the terminology. And that would have followed her. Now, of course, they've got that anyway. They've got that in the octagon, you know, w w when she got beat. But, um, you know, why, why give them more fuel? You know, th those pictures were never going to be complimentary. They were always going to be pictures to show what Holly did to her. Now, of course, that hurts her pride. You know, she's a proud competitor, a fierce competitor. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want to give them more fuel. And, yeah, she's been quiet, but most fighters are typically quiet after a loss. And certainly somebody that's built, you know, gone so high and then the drop, you know, you, you go so high and then you fall so high as well or, or so deep. Um, so, of course, she's going to go away. She's going to lick her wounds, disappear for a little while, and then slowly you start to creep out. That's the way I've done it. Mm. You know, you go into the fight, you're full of confidence, you know, you talk a little smack. Uh, whatever it is, and then you know I, I, I've lost here and there, of course, and you are a little, um, you know, you, you you're depressed, you're pissed off, you're angry. But for me, I've always wanted to get back in there, so you let the dust settle a little bit, and then you slowly start making a presence on social media again. But um, yeah, only a, it's only a matter of time before we see her come back. Uh, last thing on this, uh, if I'm Holly, I want that rematch right away because you may got her, you know, you may have her where you where, where you want her and you want to capitalize on it. And there's only so much you can change in a few months. If you're Ronda, do you want if if, if you Michael Bisping are Ronda Rousey right now, do you want that rematch right away or do you want a few other fights to build yourself back up? Well, if I am 
Michael Bisping or I am Ronda Rousey. The fighter, the fighter inside you wants to get back in there right away because we believe that we can do it differently. We believe that we made a mistake, whether it be in game planning or in preparation. We think, you know, our egos say, we know we can do it next time. Um, if I'm a coach or a manager, I would say, listen, take some time, um, you know, work on some things, let, uh, you know, let you get over that mentally, 100% mentally, so you're not getting in there uh, and, and fighting on emotion. You know, you've got to get over that. There's going to be a lot of emotions that she has to deal with. Um, work on some things, you know, potentially have some other fights, but I don't think there's any need for that. She's beating everybody else in the women's division, in, in the bantamweight division. There's no need to fight anybody else. I think the immediate rematch is what everybody wants to see. She went in there with plan A. She didn't have a plan B. Plan A in the, in the past has always worked. She's always been able to dominate her opponents, take them down and armbar them. Yes, we've seen a couple of, you know, TKOs, but, um, you know, predominantly, that's what she likes to do, take them down. It didn't work this time. Somebody had a masterful game plan to counter that. What she needs to work on is plan B. I would have liked to have seen plan B could have been, listen, don't chase her. In round two, plant your feet in the centre of the octagon and make Holly come to her. You know, that would have made the fight very different. If Holly had to go to Ronda, Ronda could have slipped the punches, got the clinch, and then maybe take it down. Who knows? You know, but that certainly would have been something she could have tried. So, um, you know, she'll go away. She'll lick her wounds. She'll talk to her coaches, her manager, and they'll come back, and the rematch will be even bigger. Of course, you were supposed to fight on that card. Uh, you had to withdraw due to an elbow injury. What was it like for you to watch? You know, it's funny. I was talking to someone. I was in Melbourne, and the crowd was – it was a disappointing crowd from a – you know, from from a, uh, an energy perspective, it was just very quiet. And I think it's because the, right. the seats were too far away. It was early in the morning. But I was like, this card needs a Michael Bisping. Like, up until the Mark Hunt <laughs> fight, they just weren't into it. And I think you versus Whitaker would have yeah. helped get the, the crowd excited. For you watching it, what was that like? Were you like, man, look at that crowd. I wish I could be there. Or, you know, were you, were you over it at that point? I was kind of over it. Well, I thought I was until I watched it on the night. And, of course, it was bittersweet. You know, yeah. I was watching it. They were great fights. Um, but sitting there and seeing, you know, the size of the arena and how big it was, you know, of course, I wanted to be in there. So, it's, it, it, um, you know, I should have been in the octagon, not sat on the couch with a bottle of nice, delicious cold beer in my hands. <laughs> I should have been in the octagon. And, uh, yeah, you know, of course, I wanted to be there. Um, you know, but, but these things happen, you know, but, uh, but you're right. There was kind of a level of energy missing. And, uh, I always try and provide that and I'll certainly do that in my next fight. But, um, you know, injuries are part of the, uh, part of the game. Before the injury, uh, could Michael Bisping, who's coming off that win over Taos ladies have beaten the Robert Whitaker who showed up that night? Listen, Robert is a nice guy. I've met him a couple of times. You're laughing because you know there's a butt coming. <laughs> uh, there is a butt on its way, for sure. Uh, he's a nice guy. I want to clarify that. I've spent some time with him. Nothing against him. Great young prospect. Good kid. He's got some skills. Um, but come on. I watched that fight. and I, I'll tell you why I was devastated for having to pull out of that fight. Because for once, I could have gone in there... I was going to get my first ever submission victory inside the UFC. I was going to take him down. I was going to play with him. I, that, I would have been a middleweight with a size advantage for once. Mm -hmm. I used to fight at 205. I came down to middleweight thinking I was going to be the big guy. And, uh, you know, how wrong was I? I mean, my last few fights, Talis Lightis is huge at 185. Dollarway is huge. 
Luke Rockall before that. These are all monsters at 185. Um, Robert Whittaker, I would have had the size advantage, and I was excited about that. It was uh, an opportunity to bully somebody a little bit, but um, I'd have beaten both of those guys. You know, Uriah and Robert, it was okay, you know, but come on. Let's get real here, Ariel. <laughs> They're not on my level, buddy. Come on, we know this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. Uh, how is the elbow? How's your health right now? Yeah, no, it, it's good. I just came from the gym right now. I was lifting weights. And uh, for the first time ever today, I was able to do some shoulder press on my left side. I've been trying that week by week. And even on a light weight, I couldn't do it. This morning, I was able to. Not very heavy, but even still, I was able to do that. Progress is being made. I'm, uh, I'm rolling in the gym. I'm doing jiu-jitsu. Uh, I hit pads for the first time last week. I did five rounds on the pads. And, you know, it, it was okay. It was okay. I mean, it's still, um, you know, I mean, you can see here, it's almost straight. A few weeks ago, it was around there, you know, the range of motion. That hurts a little bit there. Doesn't quite straighten out, but it's not far. The um, Orange OC Fight Docs, I've got to give them a shout, Dr. Kessler, here in Orange County. They're doing a fantastic job with my rehab. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So as you mentioned, uh, you worked on the Fox desk uh, this past weekend. Great stuff as always. I'm not just saying it because you are here. I, I really, truly love listening to your analysis and insight when you're, uh, you're doing your TV work. Thank but you. how about this new wrinkle? Now you're a radio host as well. I always knew that you loved the media, <laughs> but I mean, come on. You have to take our jobs now too. You're taking TV jobs. You're taking, you're taking radio jobs. This is very exciting though. I, I must want to meet you, <laughs> I want to meet you. It, all seem, <laughs> it seems like you're going down that path and I respect you for it. How did this come about? So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I've been doing more and more work for Fox, which is fantastic. You know, those guys there really made me feel welcome and really helped me. You know, they, they give me a lot of good feedback and how to get better and better. So I thank everybody over at Fox. Um, and, you know, I, I've never been one to shy away <laughs> from things to say. And um, it was through a friend of mine, actually. We got talking about the possible. Listen, everybody does a podcast. Yeah. Everybody has a podcast. Everyone. Everyone. You name it, if they can open their mouth and string a sentence together, they're talking and trying to fucking sell something. Um, and an idea of a podcast was pitched to me. And I was, uh, I didn't want to, you know, because everybody, I mean, I kind of wanted to, but I didn't want to be that guy jumping on the podcast bandwagon. So then eventually uh, Sirius came to me and, and they kind of, you know, showed some interest, Sirius XM. And uh, they've got a new fight channel now, Sirius XM Rush 93. Uh, a lot of good content on there, talking about fights, MMA, boxing, and some lifestyle things as well. And we did a test show. It went very well. Um, I, I got a co-host, Luis J. Gomez, who's a stand-up comedian in New York and knows a lot about MMA as well. So we, we, we did a test show. It went very well. And here we are. We had the, uh, the, the, you know, the initial show last week. No show this week because Thursday is Thanksgiving. But every week from 1 to 3... Uh, so what is that? Four to six. No, sorry, three to five. So six to eight Eastern. Sirius XM Rush 93. Check it out. Every Thursday? Every Thursday, yes. Okay, so you got the first show out of the way. Give us your, uh, your yeah. honest critique. How did you do? You know, it, it was okay. I felt like the test show was better. Oh, wow. That's you interesting. Know? Yeah, the test show was better. The first show, yeah, it was good. I, I thought so. It was okay. Could have been better, of course. I mean, after everything I do, whether it's a fight, whether it's on, you know, work on Fox, whether it was the test show, whatever it is, I'm always hypercritical. I always yeah. want to do better. Uh, and to be honest, 
it was it was just talk about Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm because that's what everybody wanted to talk about. Yeah, you know, and so so we, we did that. We could, we 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 spent the adequate time on that. But I'm a little bit bored about talking about Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm, to be quite frank. No, no disrespect to either women, but there's a whole world and there's a lot of things going on out there that I'd rather talk about. So, uh, yeah, but, but please, everybody, tune in. Sirius, M, Sirius XM Rush 93. The Countdown with Michael Bisping and Louis J. Gomez. Yes. Now, it's, it's, so it's not only MMA. No, it's not. Of course, you know, I mean, Am you I gonna only hear- have to spend... Am I a hear- couple of minutes of my time to realize that I am a world of knowledge on politics and social current issues. You know, I'm always talking about these types of things. Real hard-hitting, factual radio is what we're talking about here, Ariel. So this is going to be like the Buffer Show where you're giving us like um, relationship advice and, and, and sex tips and things like that? <laughs> is that what Buffer does on his? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never had the pleasure. Oh, well, I've you're missing out. Show, but I will check it out for sure. Are you doing that sort of thing? Can I call you up and say, my girlfriend cheated on me? Is like, is it that sort of thing? Oh, well, you know, I mean, we take callers on the show as well. So people listening, feel free to call in. Um, you know, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll plan it out week by week. What's big, you know, what's worth talking about. So okay. it all depends what's in the news that week. In all honesty, though, when you started this journey, did you ever even think that this stuff would be available at the end of the tunnel and you're not even at the end of the tunnel. But the fact that you're making this extra income, it's got, it's got to be an incredible, you know, the incredible gift that I would imagine came out of nowhere for you. Yeah, no, it's fantastic because one thing that always worried me as a fighter and and it still does now, um, you know, the world is littered with fantastic fighters that, you know, did really well. And then afterwards the sport spits them out and they're broke, you know, and they have nothing. And, you know, the going is good now, but I'm still a young man. I'm 36, you know, I've, I've got three children that I want to provide for and I want to keep them in the lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. And as I said, any gym all over the world is, is littered with, uh, you know, old fighters that didn't invest the money, that didn't make enough money. There's no pension plan for a fighter. There's no retirement plan. So, you know, whilst I'm still very much focused on being a fighter, of course I am. And that's, you know, that's my primary focus. I'm just, you know, trying to exercise all these uh, possible opportunities that I have in the sideline so that when the time comes to walk away, you know, I, I have a career and things are going well with Fox. I do some things for the UFC, um, you know, radio now. I do a little bit of acting, uh, you know, a little, little bit of action stuff. So with all these things, I'm opening the gym with the UFC gym franchise people as well. Oh, wow. So all these little things, you know, um, hopefully will equate to a living but of course, I'm still 100% focused on my fighting right now. A true renaissance man. True so let's talk about that fighting. You've made it clear that you want to fight in London in February. Uh, what can yeah. you tell us? Who, 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 are, who are you fighting? It came out uh, yesterday that uh, there's, a, there's a report out of Brazil, Globo, that Anderson's going to fight Vitor. I know you were interested in Anderson. What can you tell us about your next fight? Yeah, that's right. Well, I did hear some, uh, some rumors, some whispers. And of course, Anderson himself... Uh, did mention that he was fighting me, apparently, which which was news to me. <laughs> um, that was something that I wanted. You know, initially, I know I said I didn't want to fight anybody with a history of PEDs. Uh, but then I thought about it. I thought, well, listen, you know, Anderson's a huge name. And, uh, you know, of course, as I say, I'm still fighting, but I am 36. So I want to have the biggest fights possible. And that was a fight that, that I was interested in. But, of course, as you mentioned, he's fighting uh, Vitor now. So that obviously is not happening. 
I want to fight in London. It's been five years, six years almost since I fought there. So, yeah, for sure, I want to fight there. And whoever the UFC give me, um, I know a lot of the good guys are tied up right now. I thought possibly they might give me Robert Whittaker mm. because he just won, you know. But uh, I, I don't think that's the way they're going. In oh. fact, I know that well, which is the way they're oh. going. <laughs> I know who the opponent is, but I can't say. Oh, I'm, always know, the company no, man. I mean, listen, I'm a professional. I've got to respect my uh, obligations to the UFC. Sure. And, uh, yeah, when the time comes, you will know. I was going to throw out a guess, but then that kind of puts you in an yes, awkward spot. Can Even I guess? Let's play Okay, but but if if I'm right, will you tell me I'm right? Can we have some kind of theme tune, you know, some like quiz show music oh, in the background? You know what? They might have that kind of operation over there at, at Sirius, but we don't have that kind of budget um, <laughs> <laughs> here on the MMA Hour. Okay, yeah. these, these these are my two guesses, all right? All right, go ahead. Lyoto Machida, Gegard Mousasi. <laughs> Read into that smile and laugh, whatever you will. Could have hit the nail on the head. You may have guessed, but also you may have not. Okay, you won't. Uh, it is a top ten opponent. There you go. That's as much as I'm willing okay. to say. Are you main event? It's a top. 10. Are you main Pardon? event? Are you main event? I, I am not sure yet. Okay. Apparently, uh, this this card that they're trying to have three really big fights on. Oh, wow. I, I would love to be the main event. Of course, it all depends who else is on the card. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll look out for that. Uh, one last thing before yeah. I let you go. Uh, it's a big weekend coming up for the middleweights in uh, in December. You got Chris yeah. Weidman going up against obviously Luke Rockhold and Jacques Ray versus Yoel. Can you give us your predictions for those two fights? Absolutely. Uh, I think in the uh, the co-main event we're gonna see a new world champion. Ooh. I respect Chris, even though we've been back and forth on social media a little bit. You know, Chris is a great guy. He's a great fighter. He's been a great champion. Um, I just think Rockhold is going to be too fast and too slick on the feet. In the wrestling department, I believe Luke, you know, training with DC and Cain Velasquez, I think he's going to be prepared to stop the takedowns. And I think on the floor, Chris is probably better on the floor, but I think Luke is good enough to completely negate anything that Chris can offer in that department. And I think on the feet, I think... Luke has the advantage. I think he's longer. Well, he is longer. Mm -hmm. He has the range. He has a more diverse striking game. And he's faster. And I think speed is key. Chris does have an advantage in the, in the fact that Anderson Silva was a southpaw. The rematch was Anderson Silva. That's a southpaw. Vito was a southpaw. Mashida was a southpaw. So he's got a lot of experience fighting southpaws. Of course, when orthodox fighters like myself fight a southpaw, that can be tricky and it throws them off. So he won't. So Luke won't have that advantage. Chris is used. He's the last few years of his life. He's been fighting southpaws. So, you know, that will be advantageous for Chris. But I still believe the fight will predominantly play out on the feet, and Luke has the advantage there. So, I, so I think Luke gets it done. What about Jacare Romero? <laughs> Jacare Romero, Jacare, Jacare mm. wins that fight. Whilst Romero looks great, you know, he does have a. Um, a limited game, but still the, the power that he has and the wrestling advantage allows him to dominate a lot of opponents. Uh, certainly with the wrestling, he takes people down, you know, almost at will. He's incredibly powerful and, of course, you know, he's incredibly skillful. You don't really want to take Jacare down to the floor. You know, that's never the smartest game plan. Certainly for Yoel Romero, 
who being a wrestler doesn't have the jiu-jitsu credentials. They are two very different sports. Even though there is a lot of clinching and grappling on the floor, they're very different sports. If he takes Jacare down, he may find himself getting submitted on the feet. Uh, I think he's still learning. He's very, very powerful. But I think uh, Jacare has the skills to dominate in all areas, to be honest. So I think my money would be on Jacare to win that fight. Michael, a pleasure as always, my friend. Uh, congratulations Thank you, sir. on the new show. It's uh, Sirius XM 93 every Thursday. It's from, if I got this right, 3 p.m. Pacific to 5 p.m. Pacific. That's 6 to 8 here on the East Coast, right? That is correct. I wonder if I can hear it. Uh, I was I was traveling that day. Is there an on-demand uh, component? Can I go back into my app? I believe there is. I believe there is. You can download an app. Yeah, I have and, it. Uh, of you, you've got to be a subscriber to Sirius. So I believe there will be an on-demand. If there isn't yet, there will be shortly. And yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You know, of course, satellite radio, we can get a little a little yes. uh, looser-lipped, shall we say, than what we can on Fox for obvious reasons. Um, you know, and our, exp our opinions can run wild. So tune in, don't miss it. And uh, yeah, thank you for... The opportunity to talk to you as always, Ariel. Yes, my pleasure. Congratulations. We'll talk to you I, soon. I my inspiration, my everything. Finally. Ariel Holmes. Finally, you speak the truth. It's about time. <laughs> it took long enough. Thank you very much, Mike. My pleasure. Take care. Michael Bisping stopping by from Orange County. Uh, check out the show. I did not get a chance to check it out yet because I was traveling. And we will talk about that a little later on. But... Uh, Man, he is great. He is great at what he does, and uh, I don't just say that because I work for Fox and I work with him at times, although uh, we, we, we sometimes cross paths. Not always. Uh, I, I really enjoy his insight. Very, very comfortable on the microphone, and if you get him in that sort of radio setting, I would imagine he'd be even better. So good job on Sirius's part for putting Michael in there. So he says a top 10 opponent. We can figure this out. And, and, and honestly, my real guess, look, 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 let's figure it out. My real guess is, uh, here, here we go, here we go, here we go. Okay, uh, Weidman, Rockhold, they have fights. Jacare, Romero, they have fights. Uh, Vitor, we're assuming, even though I was told by a source, by the way, that that fight isn't official, but they have fights. Uh, Vitor and uh, Anderson, who isn't on the rankings right now. Now we have Machida Kennedy. We'll skip them for a second. Bisping Musasi, skip them for a second. Whitaker, who he says it's not him, and Tosledis, who he just fought. So really, in my opinion, it's Kennedy, Machida, Musasi. I'm going to guess they go Kennedy, Machida. I'm going to guess they go Musasi, Bisping. I mean, it's simple math. We'll find out. Let's move along. Let's go to our last guest of the day. She's been very patient, and uh, hopefully she has some exciting news for us. She's joining us via the Magic of Skype. She is the president of Invicta FC. It has been a while since we were joined by the great Shannon Knapp, and there she is. How are you? Hey there, I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, okay, so let's Thanks get Thanks right for having me. It's always fun. Oh, yes, of course. It's a pleasure as always. And uh, like I said, it has been a while, so I'm happy to have you. So a lot of people are, are curious as to what's, uh, what's on your mind. What do you have up your sleeve? The floor is yours. Well, we are going to go ahead and announce our next event, which will take place January 16th at the hangar at the OC Fairgrounds. So that's kind of in the Orange County area. Uh -huh. That card is going to be headlined by uh, Chris Cyborg. We're tentatively working on a matchup between her and Cindy Dandois at the 140-pound weight class. It will definitely uh, update you more as the week goes on if that matchup is a solid matchup or you know what her choices will be. 
And of course, it's going to be headlined by a title fight as well, which will be uh, Olivia Hanata Sousa and Deanna Bennett at 115 pounds. It's a really good card. Uh, we've got a lot of great matchups. I'll go ahead and throw a couple more out Please. there, which uh, Lisa Ellis versus Amber Brown and Jody Escobar versus Angela Hill. Oh. So oh, it's going to be a really good card as the upcoming weeks, we're going to continue to announce the matchups and. I think the fans are going to be very excited and very happy about this card. Uh, well, congratulations on that. That is a good card. And congratulations, by the way, on signing Angela Hill. Definitely think she has a lot more fight in her after leaving the UFC. Uh, about Cyborg, you said, so it's not 100% that Cindy is the opponent. Is it 100% though that her next fight will be at 140, this fight in January? You know, I think that uh, there are some talks going on between her and her camp and Zufa. So I think that, uh, it's best to just put it out there and say that, you know, tentatively, that is what we have scheduled. Is that subject to change? Uh, it is highly possible. So I'd just rather err on the cautious side. Okay, I understand. Uh, do you, yeah. Speaking of being cautious, I mean, is there any concern on your part as the promoter of having Cyborg fight at 140? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, I th think it comes down to, you know, I think everybody's aware the landscape changed slightly, you know. Yeah. Uh, when Ronda lost the fight. So I think it, it comes down to the conversations that they have. And, you know, I'm a team player, so whatever works out, you know, it's great. Uh, and you mentioned that it's, it's a unique relationship that you have because as it has come out, she is being paid by Zufa. Who decides who she fights? Well, we do most of the time, you know. I mean, you know, everybody has input, you know, and I think it's the way it should be. But, you know, majority of the time we make the matchups and everybody seems to be happy and pleased with, you know, the efforts that we put forth, so. How difficult is it these days to find an opponent for Cyborg? I said, you know, after attending the event, covering the event in July, it was starting to feel a little weird for me because she's just annihilating these people, and, and I don't know if she's being challenged as much as, as she should be. For you, as the president of the company, are you having a hard time finding suitable opponents for her? You know, yes and no. You know, uh, you know, she is so dominating. So sometimes that's hard when you look at the styles. And, you know, uh, we have a lot of young up-and-coming 145-pounders. But, you know, they're certainly not athletes we're going to throw into the deep end at this point in time. So, yeah, it can be a struggle, but they're out there. Um, you know, and there never seems to be a, a shortage of someone asking for that fight regardless. Yeah. And that, hence, that's kind of why the Cindy fight has come up. Um, you know, uh, she asked for it. And sometimes wow. when you post... Or you get what you ask for. So <laughs> seems to be the fight that she's very, very much has her sights set on. You know, what transpired there, I'm not quite sure. But Cyborg's uh, so definitely motivated for that fight. Oh. I, will, I will give you that. <laughs> so, so, so it's a personal fight. Um, you know, I, I, well, something happened that, you know, sent it over on that edge. Okay. You know, and Cindy, you know, Cindy's, uh, she's has some, you know, notable wins under a record. Uh, Marlos Kunin. You know, she uh, beat the girl that Cyborg lost to, you know, in the Muay Thai fight, in MMA, of course. But, I mean, so she does have, you know, she brings things to the table, the judo aspect. Um, you know, so we'll see. There's a lot of good stuff going on, though. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had meetings in Las Vegas with the UFC. I'm very amped up with, you know, what they uh, have planned for Fight Pass. Eric Winters is on board now. Mm -hmm. and. You know, I think the focus is really going to change. I think the fans are going to be incredibly excited about that. Oh. You know, I was excited. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great deal for athletes, fans, everybody. 
Well, from my experience, uh, Eric is a phenomenal guy and a very sharp business guy coming from the, the world of, of Yahoo Sports. Most recently, uh, he joined the team, and it seems like he's doing a lot of great stuff in a very short amount of time, so that is good to hear. Um, are, are, you, are, you, are you comfortable with where Invicta is at these days? Because, you know, it seemed like there was a bit of a transition period when you lost all your straw weights and with them taking, obviously, some of the bantam weights. Uh, like, how would, you, how would you characterize the state of Invicta at this point? You know, I, I read all that stuff. Everybody always likes to say something that's usually never positive and more to the negative side when they're complaining. But I feel like we're in a really good spot. I, you know, we have incredible support. And it's not me just saying that because, trust me, if someone was being mean, I'm going to scream it from the rafters. <laughs> but, you know, Zufa, the team over there, everybody has been incredible, incredible for us. You know, it felt really good to walk in there and to see how much they really appreciate, respect, and just playing out in joy and Victa mm. and the content that we deliver. So that's really exciting. You know, it gets you motivated. You know, sometimes when you're in the trenches, you know, it's, it's those valleys and <laughs> going up and down, but no, we're very healthy. Um, we're working on a 125 pound tournament that we'll be announcing soon. We're working on the brackets. Uh, our current champion, Barb Honchek, uh, she's had to take some time off. So we will be doing interim title oh. in that division as well. So, you know, we're ready and prepared to mix things up this year. Will she be coming back? I haven't heard from her in a long time. Yeah, definitely. She'll be back. Um, she has expressed interest in, you know, uh, the 115-pound division. Oh. But, you know, certainly her taking the time to, you know, get things organized and um, comfortable with where she's at is real important. So. You mentioned uh, everyone at Zufa being very uh, bullish on, on Invicta and women's MMA. Who can blame them? Uh, you know, just look at what happened in Melbourne. What was it like for you to watch a car that was headlined by four women, co-main event, main event, uh, fighting for the 135-115 title, two divisions that you helped build, uh, in front of 56,000 people? And now we find out about some of the pay-per-view numbers. It sounds like it might be the second best, the best. Who knows? It did very well. We know that. What was that like for you? It's amazing. I mean, you know, that's why you love this sport, or at least that's why I do, is because, you know, anything's possible in this sport, you know, and to see, you know, that upset, to see what happened that night, it, it was very, very uh, emotional on many, many levels, yeah. you know. Uh, I feel for Rhonda, I think that the fans have been incredibly, incredibly rude, crude, mean, you know. Um, I, I guess I'm just not that kind of person. If you've got to take the shot, take the shot and move out of the pocket. No sense of standing in there, you know, just, you know, if, if, if something you hate about someone, if you react the same way that you accuse and you hate yeah. on them, it makes you no different, no better. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. I, I never knew Holly before. You know, I, I, you know, of course I knew about her fighting style and the record, but it genuinely makes me smile to watch this girl do interviews. Mm. You know, she's really, really a pleasant, pleasant human being. It, it's, you know, I think the sport's great right now. I think this mix-up is huge for, you know, the sport itself, for the women. It creates lots of new storylines. It kind of breathes life back into sure, it. Sure, yeah. And, and you nailed it. I mean, everyone speaks so highly of her, and you could tell she's genuine. And also her team, like her husband and her coach, it's just all tremendous. Uh, even if you don't root for her, you don't have a dog in the fight. I mean, you can't help but not be happy for these people because they're just such good human beings. They were so gracious with their time before and after the fight with the media and fans and everything. Just just beautiful human beings. So it's going to be interesting to see how things evolve. And I'm wondering for you, for your business, have you even noticed, like, women's MMA is the hot topic in the sport today. 
you know, eight days later, and it will remain that way, I think, for, for at least a week or so, maybe till the next UFC event. Does this help Invicta, even though it's not your fighters? Absolutely. You know, I've always said that, you know, one of the things, you know, with Rhonda, I always called her kind of the tag team partner. <laughs> you know, every door she breaks down, every barrier she crosses does nothing but pull the rest of us along. You know, and that's huge for the women in the sport. We have a long way to go, you know, but the distance is getting shorter and shorter every day. So, you know, and to have, you know, the big deal for me is to have, uh, you know, the UFC support behind that. They're a marketing machine. I don't think it gets much bigger or better. So for them to be so supportive, not just of the athletes that are under their banner, but to be incredibly supportive of Victa. And, you know, there's never a time I can't pick up the phone and call if I've got an issue or problem and they're not eager to help. Mm. And that's not them succeeding. That's for us to continue to move forward and succeed. So that's that's a pretty cool thing. Were you surprised that they parted ways with Angela Hill? Um, yes, you know, to a degree. I, I'm delighted that we get her back over here, yep. you know, so that we get the opportunity to help her grow in her career. You know, um, I think that, you know, she's very entertaining inside the cage and yeah. outside the cage, you know. She's, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, lucky for us, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, their loss is, is your gain. Um, very much enjoy watching Alexa Grasso fight. Uh, we haven't seen her for a bit. When is she returning? You know, uh, she's supposed to be just now starting to be able to get back into the training. So, you know, I think it won't be long. I think our next event in March, you're definitely going to see probably Alexa on that card. As well as I think that, you know, we're going to do a, a lot of our focus this year is going to be on the West Coast. We're going to look to oh. do more shows in the UFC or in conjunction. So, you know, there's a lot of positive things coming in. Very exciting. Yeah, even you, just just share this much. Sure, sure. Good. Yes, I'm anxious to to know more. Um, in July, I thought it was a brilliant move on your part to to put on an event the same week as as 189. I was sort of expecting that for this December event, but then once they put on you know the third event, I thought yeah. maybe you got you know it's a little crowded. Is that something that you want to continue doing? Yeah, I think everybody's happy. Every, I think everybody enjoys. Is it? Uh, I, I certainly think the feedback that the UFC has gotten has been incredibly positive, as well as the feedback that we get here. You know, they like that. Fans like the access. Yeah. To be able to do two shows, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's, it's a good fit for both. Um, you know, we will definitely work towards that. Uh, you know, we, we actually tried on a couple other events, dates, but, uh, you know, you can only have so many events in a weekend sure. and certain. Well, you know, sometimes the timing just doesn't doesn't work out. But I think we'll look to see more of that in the future. And by the way, for this uh, event, uh, January 16th, is that, I, I'm not familiar with the area, is that an outdoor venue? You said it was a fairgrounds? Is it? Yeah, actually, no, it's not. Uh, okay. It's called the Hangar. Oh, the Hangar. So it's okay. A, yeah, it's an inside, but it's located on that, I guess what they call the Orange County Fairgrounds. Oh. So, um, yeah, so it's a really, it's very notorious for having... And it yeah. like that. And of course, that has been a, a hotbed for MMA for a very long time. Is there a chance that this is Cyborg's last fight in Invicta? I you know. No, well, I don't think so. I think that, you know, everything's always subject to change. Yeah. But it is my understanding that, you know, she will continue to compete here, you know, um, until she drops down to 35. Okay. 
Do you check in with and her? That's my understanding. Yeah. Do you check in with her to see, you know, I know she's working with the, the brilliant George Lockhart, but do you check in with her to see how that sort of process is going? Because I personally believe everyone said, oh, the cyborg fight is out the window for Ronda. I mean, look no further than uh, Mayweather Pacquiao. Just because Pacquiao got knocked out, they still had the fight and it did very well. So I don't think, especially in MMA, that it's a big deal. But do you check in with her from time to time? Yeah, you know, I speak with uh, her manager every day, you know, mm. pr- you know, pretty much every day. So, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, this, it does change some things, but I think there are a lot of different options still on the table. Exciting fights that we want to see, you know. Um, so I think that Chris is focused and, you know, she's working her way, whatever direction that is, you yeah. know, she's game. She's always game to fight. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Any other fights? Any other announcements you want to make while uh, while you have the floor here? Well, I'm not just blurting them just, all out. Come on. You're all right. not, it's uh, Thanksgiving. Just, just, just keep coming. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a treat for Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, yeah they're going to kill me for this one. Oh. But uh, my PR team. <laughs> so, But we'll go ahead and, and I'm going to tell you. Uh, we're going to do Kenya versus Irene Aldana. Oh, wait, wait. You, we missed the first part. It, it got uh, cut out there. So who is it against Irene? Raquel Pennington. Or Pennington, I didn't mean that. Oh. Paul Lulu. I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. I was like, anyway, what? Raquel Paul Lulu versus Irene Aldana. Sorry. On that and that same... will be on a, on a, yeah, same card. So, wow. All right. So some big names there. Uh, tremendous. I like it. I, I love the, the fight between Jody and uh, Angela as well. And anytime Cyborg fights, it's, it's very exciting. So January 16th. Live on UFC Fight Pass. That is a, uh, what is that? Is that a, f- a thir- is that Saturday. A, f- a Saturday. Okay, so you got the floor because there's no UFC event that day, right? That's exciting, right? Yes, I like <laughs> that for you. You got the spotlight. Um, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on to announce this. Thank you very much. Like I said, it's been a while. Uh, loved covering the last one in July. I hope to get the chance to do it again very soon. Love the product. Happy to hear that you guys are back. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And Casey, I'll see you soon. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you very much. Same to you and yours. Appreciate it uh, greatly. There she is, Invicta FC President Shannon Knapp, coming on the show to break some news. That is uh, that is always appreciated, and uh, it's good that Invicta is back. And I think that all this madness, all this crazy stuff about Ronda and 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 Holly Holm, and even Joanna, it's all good for Invicta. It keeps women's MMA alive. It keeps it moving along. It keeps it interesting. I don't think that this is the death of women's MMA. I don't think this is the death of the UFC, as crazy as it may sound when people say that. Uh, this is all good, in my opinion. The rematch will be big. Ronda's next fight, if it's not against Holly, will be big. You just you just made a new star in Holly who no one believed in, you know, 10 days ago. This is a, this is a, this is a great time. And, you know, they killed it in Melbourne. And, oh, by the way, if you think that the UFC is dead, uh, just wait three weeks for, for UFC 194 and look at that gate. Come on. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to blow through, and I apologize to New York Rick because I made him work hard for Inside the Vault, but I know he likes his airtime. So I'm going to blow through Inside the Vault this week because we are running out of time. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. I'm sorry about that, but uh, we're running Stuff out of happens. time. We had a good show. Um, I think that uh, that interview with Kimbo and, yes, uh, I learned and Mike was quite worth it. I, I, I learned some new uh, some new words in that show, in yeah. that interview. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> before we get going, let's say hello to a special guest who's joining us uh, in your studio there. He's probably been 
bugging the crap out of you for the well, last. Actually, three do hours. we want to do this? Well, yes. Uh, you know, I he, mean, he may be working for the for the competition. <laughs> I'm talking about Shamatkar Sandu here, as I, I love to hear his name. Uh, he may be working for the competition MMA junkie, but deep down, we all know he is a hell wannabe at his core. Oh. This is a man who came up to me at UFC 148 wearing the Helwani Nose T-shirt. So he, he, like I said, he may be on the other side, but we know, we know what's up. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very well. Uh, dream come true to be here, but really it's espionage. This feels like uh, <laughs> Degeneration X uh, uh, you know, invading WWE all over again. I've got my, my, my wire clippers, I'm going to do some cord cutting. You'll be lucky to make the next week's show, mate. Yeah, I, I, I bet like in a couple of weeks, MMA Junkie Radio is going to have all our stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love those guys, and uh, I'm a big fan of your work. You're doing great stuff as well, so it's great to have you in the studio. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Good to be here. It's been uh, amazing hanging out with the crew backstage. It's just surreal to actually watch the show live uh, from this spot. And yeah, like uh, Eric said, that Kimbo Slice uh, interview. <laughs> Whoever's going to transcribe that from the team. Wow. Uh, yes, uh, uh, very true. Uh, Sandu MMA is his uh, Twitter handle. He's actually been tweeting some stuff, as I see here, from the show, so I appreciate that. Maybe it's him, you know, releasing our secrets to the world. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but uh, it is good to have him here. A, a hell wannabe when it wasn't as cool to be a hell wannabe. He did come up to me way back when, fist pose and all, with his hell nose shirt. Did you ask me for an autograph? I never went that far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the T-shirt was enough. Yes, it was enough. Uh, well, great to have you here. Um, Thank okay. you. Okay, let's, we got to answer some stuff, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of it is about Rhonda and Holly, right? Uh, almost all of it, Okay, sure. good, because I was going to ask your take, but then... Uh, then we'll get into yeah, it through, okay. through the course of the questions. Okay, let's go. Uh, Honda's uh, knockout of Rhonda, is it the most famous KO? Now, I'm, I'm qualifying this, the most famous, because we will hear about biggest upset, all that stuff, but is this the most recognizable, most famous KO uh, in UFC history now? This, uh, this person uh, references Krokop Gonzaga as another, mm. uh, you know, uh, I, I guess, momentous kind of KO, some, yeah. something that stood out. So I have actually broken this down into like three parts, and it's hard for me to sort of separate it all, because I did say that GSP's loss to Matt Serra, in my mind, is still the biggest upset as far as like, G and I know I know what the question is, but as far as you know, G GSP was was a was a dominant champion to a degree at that point. He still hadn't really like been you know on the streak that he ended up being on, but we, we, we thought and we knew that he was something special. And then you have Matt Serra, who was essentially cut from the UFC and then had to go on tough, win a reality show to get in this in this spot, which is unprecedented and, and still hasn't happened again till this day. So he comes in there as a massive underdog and defeats GSP, he's got a, a height disadvantage, a reach disadvantage, all that stuff. So that still, to me, feels like the biggest upset. But as far as, like, the most shocking, because not only did Holly Holm knock out Ronda Rousey, she took away, you know, it was, it was E, it was, you know, EA Sports, it was Entourage. Like, not to say that she stole it from her, but that's what Ronda represented. Ronda is, is a thousand times bigger than GSP was when they fought at UFC Absolutely. 69. And, and still, to a degree, is GSP's a big deal in Canada, but Ronda represented all of that, and she was such a huge favorite going into the fight. And for Holly to go in there and perform at that level, considering how she performed in her first two fights, and, and to rise to the occasion and put out the perfect game plan and execute it perfectly and just be on point the way she was, it was nothing short of remarkable. Remarkable isn't even a fair way to describe it. So considering who Ronda is, considering all that she had done, considering all the attention that she received, this is the biggest knockout. This is the biggest upset. In that sense, it's bigger than TJ. Hennon was just almost this creation by the UFC. Like, we didn't know who Hennon fought 
leading up to the UFC, and they really had to ram it down our throats that he was the pound-for-pound king. We knew who Ronda was. We knew what she represented, and Holly just came in there and snatched it away from her. So that's why it's so impactful and so passionate for people. I have a little bit of you know pause when we yep. talk about GSP and Hennen, you know, when we look back and, and speak about them retroactively, um, just because, you know, the idea that Hennen Burrell, you know, we didn't know who he was. I think we knew pretty well who he was and with the, the people he took out mm -hmm. when he came to the UFC. Um, who was Hennen? What I'm saying is you have to look at the baggage. And Hennen Burrell was just, you know, he was a guy making, you know, what? He's getting like 200,000 pay-per-view buys or 300,000. Yeah, but that doesn't come into the cage. No, in but, the cage. But that's why this, the, you have to look at the impact, in my opinion. And that's why the trickle-down effect, well, the I mean, aftermath is just gigantic. Let, it's, let's, it's the biggest let, aftermath we've ever seen. Let's look at this question specifically, the most yeah. famous. Yes. They because will not of all be that. playing, you know, Hen and Brow getting knocked out by TJ Dillashaw. No. Um, on, you know, these, these various mainstream news sites, and they will be playing. Uh, Ronda Rousey getting knocked out by Hollywood. Forever so, and ever and so ever. So certainly it is, it is one of the most famous, if not the most famous. And you know what's interesting also? Like, <laughs> Holly, this media tour that she's been on, it's all the same stops. Not only did she yeah. take her belt. I think she was with Strahan and, and, Stra and yes, Kelly all this that morning. stuff. All the same stops. Maybe not Fallon. She's going to be on Seth Meyers. But <laughs> it's really, it's, it's kind of eerie how she just, like, there, there really is a I new mean, queen it, in town. I mean, it's a perfect fit. You know, we, we had Ronda. Now let's have Holly. And, and kudos to them for doing that because I thought a lot of them would just jump off the bandwagon. The fact that they're interested in Holly is, is a nice sign. Okay, now let's talk about it in terms of an upset. This, Ashley, uh, this, this person who submitted the question, says it's not even in the top ten. Come Where on. do you rank this on the uh, all-time upset list? Okay, so we're not talking about the baggage and all that? Yeah. We're just talking – I mean, to me, it's – it's. Uh, I, I still put – if we're not talking about the impact and, now, and the aftermath – yes? This is, this, this is in all of combat sports because they mention oh, Douglas versus Tyson. So I don't let's, feel – let's keep it MMA specific because sure. I don't think that's I fair. I think they'd even they'd grant that it's in the top ten in MMA for sure. Okay, well, Douglas Tyson to me is still, you know, numero uno. But yeah. – um, I put it, it's GSP, Sarah, and then this is, it's, it's, it's the thing because, like, honestly, I feel like an idiot. I'm not going to do, you know, uh, the Monday morning quarterback thing, but how didn't we see this coming? Was it, Well, you know what I mean? Given her resume, given her, her technique, given her camp, how did we all not see this coming? I can give you a few reasons. Please. Uh, one, in her first two fights in the UFC, she did not look this good. She, true, true. But so second fight, as we said on this show, she was unfairly criticized in my opinion. I, she didn't look this good. I was, I was with you saying yeah. the same thing, but she didn't look this good. No. And you can't, you can't ex assume she's going to advance or, you know, uh, if we are to believe her team held back in those other two fights you can't assume that she's going to advance to the level where um she can neutralize ronda rousey's game and um i d certainly didn't see it coming i thought even though obviously holly holm had the striking edge um i never thought you know ronda rousey's boxing was was anything in fact on this show i've criticized it many times um i still thought her overall game and her ability to game plan would be enough that she'd be able to get uh, a hold of holly and take her to the ground and armbar her and I didn't think it was going to take particularly long. Um, so I can't say, oh, you know, how did I not see this coming? Because I just thought um, she wouldn't be able to keep Ronda's overall skills away. Now, certainly Ronda has to go back and, and fix some holes in her own game. Um, but at the same time, we haven't seen Holly against, you know, Ronda's strengths either. Um, we haven't seen her. In, 
the 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 brief the very brief exchange we saw was a bit of a sloppy um, takedown and the uh, credit to Holly she was yeah. able to escape the ground. Game I don't know if that's being fair to Holly because like we've seen Ronda in sloppy situations like look at the Katz and Gano situation sure. and and Holly got out of it. You know she, Holly even took her all down. All credit briefly. due to her. Yeah. Um, well. It was, it, was after, whole other thing. it was after getting rocked. Uh, yeah, she did. I think she was rocked and instinctively took her down. Which is pretty impressive. That's always the best way to do it. I mean, you know, Gustafson catches John Jones off guard in, in a similar way. Um, so I guess I don't think it's fair to say why didn't we see this coming because Ronda Rousey has been so good, and I think she still is very, very good. Um, but she has things t- to fix up. In my opinion, it's it's in it's in the top. I'm, I wouldn't... Sh- surely not over Sarah GSP. And I think what people are not understanding about Sarah GSP is, or people, you know, aren't, aren't thinking about is that it's more about Sarah. The fact that, you know, he he was the underdog of all underdogs, whereas home had a clear path to victory in this fight. If she could keep Ronda Rousey from grabbing her and uh, they were fighting on the feet, then likely home was going to, to win that fight. Um, Whereas Sarah, I don't think anybody was counting him, you know, was giving him a chance on the feet in the grappling, anywhere, and he got it done. So that, that for me, will always be the MMA uh, upset uh, of the century. Um, you know, Weidman over Anderson Silva's got to be up there. Um, Although, wasn't Weidman a favorite at the end? In the first fight? Yeah, wasn't he, like, either super close to, to being a favorite? Not, or actual, not as far as I recall. Wasn't it, like, 2-1 to one or something? Everyone was picking him. All the fighters were picking he him. Was a, he was a popular pick, and yeah. he, the, the public money actually came in on Holly Holm. Um, if you paid attention Towards to the, the betting end, yeah. live. Well, th- those people were smart because if you want to look into this sort of thing, like all the, the stuff that she was dealing with leading up to the fight, and then her her demeanor at the weigh-in was just like, look at look at Holly's demeanor. She played it perfectly, and it seemed like Ronda was trying to get in her head, like the fake stuff and then the rant on Instagram. It's like this was a person who, in my opinion, was starting to doubt herself a little bit. And even if you go back, and again, this is all hindsight. I mean, I... I, I I wasn't smart enough to call this when it was happening. But if you actually, knowing what happened in the fight, go back and rewatch everything, even the way Ronda, the look on her face going down to that cage, and you compare it to the look against Betch Gohea and Kat and Alexis Davis, is a different look. It's a different look on her face. Uh, there, there's, there's, there appears to be some doubt there. And uh, that continued to, to grow as the fight went on. So there were signs, and, and kudos to those people, including Holly's, Longtime agent Lenny Frescas for actually putting his money where his mouth is. This guy, I swear to you, he told me the first time I met him that she would be the one to knock her off, the first one. And he called it. Not only that, he bet on her and he won into the six figures. Crazy. Unbelievably crazy. Huge upset, not the biggest of all time. How much credit for the win should belong to the game planning of Jackson and coaching of Winklejohn? Uh, is, it, is that the first time the duo has ever coached against Ronda? All the little things Holly was doing, not wrapping her arm over Ronda in the clinch, keeping her elbow tucked in tight to her side, backing up against the fence. This is from Faraz Zahabi's excellent fight breakdown. I've never seen her do it before. It was textbook and pretty much took Ronda out of her game for the first time in her career. When she could not clinch and get it to the ground, Ronda looked horribly out of her element, like a one-trick judo pony, eating punches on every exchange. Holly executed the plan, but man, what a plan. Hats off to those coaches. Um, So I guess, do you think a lot of this was due to the game plan of her team? Okay, so how much credit do you give to that? They worked with Sarah Kaufman when she fought Ronda in Strike Force, but Sarah isn't there, you know, every single day at, at Jackson Wink in, in Albuquerque. And even Greg, Greg talked to me before the fight and and said that he didn't have as much data to work with leading up to that one because Ronda was relatively new to the game. Now, going into this fight, they have a ton of data, obviously, and and 
Holly's a homegrown talent. I mean, she walked into that gym as a teenager, and you know, we, we've heard the story countless times now. She's been working with Winkle John in particular for you know what, like almost two decades at this point, and they've won multiple championships in boxing. And now here they are. You know, they made that transition, and even you know, even did kickboxing as well. To me, it was it was just look like you could just see the little things that they do. I mean, as far as game planning, I, I actually had the opportunity to spend some time with. Greg and and uh, Coach Wink in um, in Albuquerque when I was there, and even to a degree in in New Mexico, excuse me, in, in Australia. To say that they are brilliant minds when it comes to combat sports, truthfully, is is a huge understatement. Like they were talking to me about the fight, off the record about certain things, and I was like, I, I, that's why I don't even like to weigh in on this stuff. I mean, I I can't even touch them. It's not even fair for me even to talk. Like they must they must sit and listen to our breakdowns and stuff and laugh in our faces. They are on. A whole different playing field and even little things like throwing out whatever Travis Brown meant whatever that code meant which he won't tell us he claims he held back in the two previous little things like not even talking in the corner he's whispering in her ear you notice that you can't hear what Winkle John is saying in the corner and he, or he covers his microphone like that kind of gamesmanship just tells you to me that they're they're just they're thinking about everything and they have that connection with their fighter they've been with her since day one they know Holly told me that when 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 Greg walked into to her room Sunday morning, so this is the day of the fight in Australia. He's like, "All right, well, let's uh, let's go beat up some girl today." That was it, and that in her mind just took away all the pressure. It made her calm down. It's just another day. And I asked him, you know, would you do that for everyone? Like, do you do that for John Jones? No, no, no. You have to know Holly. You have to know how she reacts. Like, you look at Holly walking into that fight. She's shaking. And she's getting emotional. Look at her as she's walking. She's an emotional person. She, she cries a lot. She talked about that as well. They know how to handle her. They know what to say to her. They know how to game plan. They know how to, to attack. They're a fascinating duo. And Izzy as well, he deserves a ton of credit for her takedowns and takedown defense, more importantly. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't th like to, to, to answer this question, they, they, they are brilliant minds. It's hard to bet against them in, in a situation like this. And, uh, you know, they had some data in their back pocket with the Sarah Coffin fight, but this was different. They've been preparing for this one for a long time, and all the stars align. It was pretty beautiful. Okay. Our, this is a quick-fire one regarding Ronda. If she didn't have any distractions from her personal life and in Hollywood, would the outcome of the fight have been different? Does she need to rethink her training camp, mainly her head coach, Edmund? And she can easily retire, so should she? Well... I don't think she's going to retire because let's not forget, she has suffered setbacks before in her personal life. And, and let's just talk about her athletic career. I mean, the Olympics, huge, huge setback. Um, and, and she rebounded and then some. She became who she is today. So I think we will see her again. I feel fairly confident we will see her again. But, hey, you never know. That's just, that's just my guess. And, and as, far, as far as the other stuff is concerned, like, um, it's, it's very hard for any of us to truly say because – she certainly didn't let on, but you know there were again there were some clues. You know the the, the conference call thing, uh, the 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 incident with her mother and the interview. Um, you know the reports about Edmund, the behavior at the weigh-in. There were some clues there that there was a lot on her mind, and who can blame her? There's a lot going on. You know, people criticized Mike Goldberg for when he said uh, it's it's tiring being a rock star or something like that in the fight, and I agree that you know in that moment it had nothing to do with anything. But the point is still very valid. It, it, it's got to be 
and, and she will never make that excuse. I don't think she doesn't strike me as the type, and I don't think anyone's going to make it for her, but there's a lot going on, and, and times have changed for Ronda Rousey, and it really changed after the Betchkoheya fight. Not even leading up to the Betchkoheya fight. It was really after the Betchkoheya fight, in my opinion, that she exploded. Maybe that month before and then afterwards. So she comes back quickly, all this stuff. It, it has to play. It has to play, but can I sit here and say the fight would be different? I don't know, because you know, once you get punched in the face, all that stuff goes away. Was she maybe not you know, 100% prepared? Was... Who knows? But, you know, on that night, the better fighter won. And the more prepared fighter, you know, she, she just had a better game plan. And she fought her perfectly. I can't think of even the Dillashaw fight. Like, Dillashaw punched Brown in the face, and that changed the, the, the course of the fight. But can you recall someone, you know, just executing like that? It was just unbelievable. It was, it was, a th it was I, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm still in awe. That's why I needed this show to kind of decompress from it all. And I couldn't do that this weekend. I'm in awe of how she rose to the occasion on the biggest stage possible. It wasn't just some show in Las Vegas. It was about 56,000 people in the morning in Melbourne. That's crazy. Unbelievable. Very impressive. Uh, given ed everything that happened in the lead-up to the fight, coupled with some questionable coaching advice between rounds, do you expect Ronda will continue to work with Edmund? Again, I don't think it's fair to criticize him for that corner talk because I really... I really think that he was, he was rounding the corner. He was calming her down. And maybe he should have said beautiful, beautiful, because that was obviously wrong. She just lost the first round of her career. But until we listen to that, have you listened to it? Like the, 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 the I corner audio? I have full, no. Yeah, I mean, you can criticize. Look, you can criticize them for the game plan. You could say that, you know, Edmund's uh, uh, resume with other UFC fighters now isn't stellar at all. I mean, all that is fair game. But that particular critique is, is to me, a little bit far-fetched. So, if she, you know, would it, would it serve her well? Look, you know, Rhonda's mom said something very interesting leading up to the fight in that infamous interview now with, uh, I believe it's called Latin Nation. She said, this is like a, um, a pitcher who's, you know, tossing a no-hitter and you don't want to mess anything up. Well, now the no-hitter has been broken up. So what's she going to do? There's a lot going on there. Clearly, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to, to figure that out. So how does she react? And, uh, you know, the the... the the outcomes of those other fighters who have worked with Edmund, it's not good. So, but who, I mean, I can't, I can't say that she should change or this and that. I mean, who, who the hell am I? Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, it's going to either be, you know, a, a huge indictment on Edmund if she yeah. leaves, or it's going to be huge support in his favor if she stays. It's, it's one of the more interesting stories right now in MMA, her rebound, but really like, where did she go from here? She's at that crossroads right now. Sure. All of a sudden, she went from, like, top of the mountain, all that. She's Yogi Berra with the fork in the road, right? Is she going to take it? Bang! Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> you get a reprieve, and you, you did well. Uh, Ronda's disappearance, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Do you think Ronda disappearing from the face of the earth after the fight, except for the short Instagram post, is a good or bad thing? Um, and then they say something about never hearing of the Mexican wave. Yeah. What, have you heard of it? I, I heard of the wave. Yeah. I, I heard of the is actual... The, is it not just the wave? So when I did the, uh, the post-fight show with the uh, Submission Radio guys, who, by the way, were fantastic, and I don't know if it's their doing, but our post-fight uh, video has over a million views. I think it's more of the, you know, the Ronda effect and the magnitude of this knockout, but their insight... Damn, way to bury them. Well, no, I mean, it's, it had nothing to do with me. I just think it was like, oh, UFC 193 post-fight show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click on it. Look, I mean, just look at what our other post-fight shows do. But, but... Their work is stellar. They're a part of the family at SB Nation. Their interviews are great. They have great energy, great insight. I, I definitely suggest, as I said on the clips, to uh, check out their stuff. Just go to Submission Radio on YouTube. So they were telling me, so we were talking about the crowd and how uh, they were a little bit dead 
and it was a little disappointing. And they said that they even broke out of the Mexican wave. And I said, what's the Mexican wave? Oh, it's just like the way, you know, that he was doing. And I was like, oh, that's the wave. I never heard of the term Mexican wave. To me, it actually kind of sounds a little bit, you know, a little not so politically correct. Have you heard it called the Mexican wave? I've not, but I mean, so I'm that, not so everyone, from an area that would have called it that, I guess. No, but everyone was giving me crap for that. You never heard of the Mexican wave? Of course I know what a wave is, but I just never heard of the Mexican. I guess it's called the Mexican wave? I think maybe in that corner of the world, maybe in Europe as well, but certainly not here in America. It's okay, just a wave. Rhonda disappearing from, yes. from public eye. I have no problem with what she did at TMZ. Uh, you know, on TMZ, because look, she didn't agree to that. They're 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 sticking a camera in her face, and she's obviously broken up about it. She's very passionate. Would it be awesome if she walked out with her head held high and said, "I'll be back, and I'm going to show all of you"? Yeah, but who the hell are we to criticize the way she's handling a loss coming off that long ass flight? Trust me, I know it's a long ass flight. So you know what? Cut her some slack. The whole thing was a little creepy too, and say oh, Rhonda's ashamed of her face. Whatever. Um, the one thing I will say though is. So, look, after the fight, she stood there, and, uh, you know, they, they embraced. She didn't spit in her face. She didn't run out of the cage like we've seen before. She stood there and embraced her. Would it have been nice to get a post-fight interview? Sure, but also, look at her lip. She had to get serious surgery there. They had to bring in a plastic surgeon to fix up her lip. So, her lip was open the entire fight. You could tell that it was hurting her, whatever. So, she didn't do a post-fight interview with Rogan. Fine. People were giving her crap for not showing up to the press conference. And I hate to sound like I'm actually here, like, defending her. She doesn't need me to defend her, but... She was in the freaking hospital. You don't think she was concussed? Her head bounced off the mat. Like, like we've seen people not show up to the to the press conference. Did we criticize Anderson Silva for not showing up to the press conference when his leg broke? No. The one thing I will criticize her for, though, is the Instagram post because she put something out there, and she had to put something out there. Fine. It would have been nice to say, congratulations, Holly Holm. Great fight. It was an honor, whatever. I look forward to meeting you again. Something like that. But no tip of the cap to your opponent. To me, I would have done it a little differently. But hey, it's. Is, is, super but is emotional. that even out of character for Rhonda? Well, that's like, the thing I heard from a lot of people. Like, look at the way that she, uh, you know, she reacted to other opponents. First of all, if you look at her other fights, you know, when, when there's no beef there, like she's like the Katzengano fight, she was very, you know, she went over to her. She was almost like bashful in the post fight press conference. Yeah, with Betch, with Misha. It's, it's, it's personal. <clears throat> it's personal, but I kind of respect that. Like, th- how quickly we forget when we were in Vegas for UFC 168, she was booed out of the building. She was booed out of the building. She was the heel, right? She didn't shake Misha's hand, and 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 now everyone's like, oh, the darling is that? Like, how quickly we forget that everyone everyone hated her, and then she got everyone to love her again, and now everyone, I guess, is is happy that she stumbled and all that. So, you know, this is who she is. Let her be who she is. But if you're asking me from a PR perspective, What's the, the one major misstep in all this? In that one little Instagram post, a nice line, congratulations, Holly, would have been perfect, in my opinion. I think it sells a rematch better. Nah, in, in the moment, you know, it would, I don't know. I think, in my opinion, Ronda's being Ronda, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad it thing. It all sells the rematch. Yes, absolutely. Like, that line doesn't make or break the rematch. It doesn't It, it doesn't, doesn't but, an, but if you're asking it, me, like... People it, will remember it. People have noticed it, oh, and people will remember, hey, yeah. remember when she lost and she didn't say... It's like the touching of the gloves. Lady Gaga is saying she serves her right. People will remember these things. Yes, but that's all part of the brilliance. You get that, right? Like That's what I'm saying. Yes, I'm yes, saying, yes. You're saying she should have. I'm saying no. No, no, no. But if you're asking me, like, I'm not... I didn't, I, I'm bringing this up at the three-hour and 30-minute mark. This is not a big deal. If you're asking me if there's one thing that I'm going to critique, but this is, again, the thing, like, the fact that you hate her so much for not touching gloves is part of the brilliance. 
it's good for Holly. It's good for her. Like the, the, we have to get over this idea that martial arts and it's like the respect and all that. This is the freaking fight game. This is prize fighting. We want to care. We want to get you to pay sixty dollars to watch these people fight or pay three thousand dollars to watch them in person. Again, not crapping on the people in Monterey, but like, is anyone up in arms over the fact that Kelvin was, you know, lost a controversy? No, we move on to the next one. But they're freaking going nuts because Rhonda, who didn't touch gloves, got her ass whooped, right? Why? It's because she made you care. Recognize that. You get what I'm saying? Of course I get what you're saying. She's in an unbelievable so you're saying don't post a, uh, a congratulations stance. Fine, don't post. You asked me the damn question. <laughs> there you go. Um, Rousey versus home, Rousey versus Cyborg. Now that we've seen Ronda go uh, up against an elite striker, does this change your opinion on how she would match up with Cyborg? Um, mm. Re- Rousey was clearly outmatched on the feet against home, and I don't see it much being much different, uh, different against Cyborg. Everyone knows that Cyborg would be one of her toughest matches, but now that home has defeated her, imagine the elite striking of home mixed with the power of Cyborg. So are you still interested in Rousey versus Cyborg after yes. seeing Rousey versus home? Yes, uh, I, I, I am interested because, as I've said countless times, losses don't mean as much in, uh, in MMA as they do. Like, I, I, didn't, I felt like in the, in the moment, the Pacquiao Mayweather fight lost a bit. But look, I mean, once the fight came around, I was eating it up like everyone. And that was five years later, so time did heal those wounds. Um, I would buy Ronda versus Cyborg tomorrow. Uh, Ronda, coming, the comeback alone is interesting, and, and this beef is interesting, and Cyborg at 135 is interesting. Speaking of Cyborg, she tweeted 26 minutes ago to both Invicta and Cindy Dandwa. It was not signed any agreement about this fight at 140. It's been three times that they are changing the date of the event. So it sounds like that saga is going to continue. But uh, it doesn't. It, it makes me think. Hmm, you know, like, look, I, I don't think I don't think Holly is. I don't think Cyborg is as technical as as Cyborg. Cyborg is more ruthless. You know what I mean? But it makes me think, okay, Ronda isn't the invincible athlete that we may have thought she was, and it's good that we think that way because no one is invincible. I still want to see the fight, and I don't really know what to make of Ronda at this point. You know, did that stuff affect her? Is she with the wrong camp? Did she, you know, does she need to grow? Does she, the, you know, does she need to evolve as a fighter? And by doing so, does she need to go to another camp? Like all this stuff, I'm super, then I think the next fight is really going to tell us a lot about her. Did Holly Holm just kill women's MMA? What? Holly Holm had the best performance I've seen in recent memory in the title fight. Uh, the matchup, uh, the style matchup in retrospect was perfect. The game plan as well. And apparently she was holding back in previous fights and unleashed against Rouse, Ronda. But did she really? Do you think Holm is going to keep fighting a very exciting style? Or was that a perfect match for Holly to showcase her skills? And mm. we should expect her to fight, uh, her fights to be dominant but boring to a lot of fans. I don't think, you know. I don't think that's very fair. She certainly didn't kill women's MMA. She didn't kill the UFC. She didn't kill MMA. I can't wait for the day where one of these big fights happens and, you know, something crazy happens and then all these hot takes about the death of MMA come out of the woodwork. It's not dying. You know, it goes through ups and downs. Look at the look at the year that the UFC has had with all this craziness. The Anderson and John Jones and Nick Diaz, no GSP. And look at the year that they've had. And it's not even over. And they're expecting another big one in three weeks. So it's not going anywhere, and women's MMA is not going anywhere, and the Ronda comeback is great. Now, if Ronda leaves, it will suffer. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think she's leaving just yet. And she's always talked about leaving at some point. Um, the media loves Holly. I mean, there's a reason why she's all over these, uh, these you know, mainstream shows, uh, Extra and 
Kelly, blah, blah, blah. They, they love her. So she's a different kind of cat. She's a different kind of personality, a different kind of interview. But right now, I think everyone's embracing her, and I think that rematch will be even bigger. Speaking of bigger, UFC 194 yes. or UFC 193 in terms of pay-per-view buy rate? Which one? Damn it. Um, well, uh, I, I, at this point, I'm going to go with 193 just based off of what Meltzer is reporting. I think... If I recall, he's reporting uh, like 1.1, 1.2. And so you don't think that because of this mm. swell of interest in the UFC that 194 could potentially even eclipse that? It could. Uh, there's also the uh, the argument to be made that a lot of people paid for this, and who knows if they bought Cotto Canelo the following week. So, you know, is there that disposable income? Is there a second, income? yeah. Um, and also, I think that Ronda attracts the non-UFC fan as well. Sure. I mean, my neighbors Even though this card may be it. better. Yeah, yeah. So right now, if I had to pick one, okay, I go with 193. And by the way, three three weeks ago, I'm not saying that. That's how crazy right. this whole thing is. Who who saw this coming? Neil Magny, he's nine and one in his last ten fights in the last two years. Uh, his most recent win, wins against Eric Silva and Kelvin Gastelum were split decision wins. So what now? He has a great record, uh, but do you think his last his re- most recent wins show that he may not be ready for the top of the weight class? Basically, yeah. are you impressed with uh, Neil Magny and his uh, you know, last two years of fighting? Very impressed. How could you not be? This is a guy who started, I think he was 0-2 in the UFC. Just kind of like a guy on tough, and look what he's become. Certainly, I didn't see this coming after tough. Hell no. And, and, and look what he did against Kelvin Gaslam. And, and, and I think, who was it? Was it, was it Brian San? At this point, I don't remember. I think it was Brian that said it at the beginning of the show. Like, I expected Kelvin to come out strong and then, you know, maybe fade as opposed to the opposite. Right. Uh, especially in a five-round fight. So, uh, Magny is a tough out, man. He is long. Uh, he's good off his back. I mean, he, he, he understands how to use his length. And he's durable, man. This guy's taking some shots and he keeps on coming. And he steps in on short notice every steps time. Steps in on short notice. So, you know, the UFC loves him. Um, I actually think that's one of those... You know, that's one of those fights where both guys came out looking good. Like, Gaslam got the weight cut out of the way. He looked good. He was on point. He made a comeback. He didn't quit. Went five rounds. And Magny takes a fight on short notice in Mexico against Gaslam. Wins the fight. I mean, it's really one of those where I don't feel too bad about either. Gaslam is still super young, working with Cordero now for just a brief amount of time. Um, it's, it's, I feel like it's one of those where both of their stocks went up. What and do you do with, uh, with, with Magny Neil? next? Uh, let me go to my trusty rankings. Well, we've got here. that fight card in Korea coming up. Maybe he can yeah, do right. the winner of. Oh no, no, I no, no, no. him stepping in. <laughs> he could. I I believe he probably would if if asked. But what about the winner of uh, the main event, or the even the stun event. gun? The oh. winner of stun gun and waters. Well, I'm very curious to see what happens with Benson Henderson because a lot of talk out there. I mean, this is the last fight on his contract, so a lot of talk. You know, does he come back? Who knows? I think that's a very interesting story to watch uh, after this fight. Uh, Masvidal is definitely out there. You know, Rick Story is coming back. He had neck surgery. He's coming back. He's still number 10. I think that's super interesting. Uh, Wonder Boy Thompson at number 8 is super interesting. So there's a lot of good fights for him. And, you know, Matt Brown coming back. No, but Matt isn't Matt Brown his teammate? That's who he's, he oh, stepped right. in for. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, but Stun Gun yeah. as well. Stun Gun as well. He's fighting uh, Dominic Waters. I interviewed him at Albuquerque, uh, at Jackson Wink as well. What are your thoughts on Henry Cejudo's performance against UCA Formiga uh, with the win? Should he now be next in line for the title shot? 100% he should. Uh, this is the guy. This is the best fight to promote. It's the most interesting fight. There's really no one else out there who makes sense. It, you know, it was a tough win. It was, it was, it was a gritty win, durable win. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say he has no shot, especially after Holly Holm and, and her victory. So 
do I favor DJ? Absolutely. I think DJ's on, you know, he's playing on a whole other level, really, than almost everyone in the sport, except for a couple people. Uh, but but Cejudo's the guy. It has to be Cejudo. Has to be. He's going to sell the fight. It, it, DJ's been missing this kind of opponent and test the Olympics, all that stuff. I mean, he comes with a pretty solid uh, solid resume in his back pocket. So yeah, one thousand percent. Somebody asked this, but just to summarize, do you think one twenty five needs a shakeup? As far as DJ losing? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I like dominant champs. Like I, I don't think it's something to celebrate when one loses. It's fun. It's exciting. It's fresh. Awesome, but I don't think it's a bad thing as well. To me, it's it's fun to watch greatness. It's like, it's like the uh, the Golden State Warriors, fifteen and zero. Yeah, but I every time them. we've had one of these shakeups, it's think I mean think just as recently as Ronda and Holly Holm. How many new matchups are you excited for in that division? Same sure. thing with one thirty five. Same thing with now Conor McGregor if he yeah. upsets Jose Aldo. There's uh, or rather, actually, he's the favorite. So forgive me for that. I, I think we we should we should have that discussion after Cejudo. Fair enough, because that's one that I really want to see. Uh, true or false? We're going to Twitter now. Yeah. Jackson Winklejohn will have three reigning champs at some point during 2016. Well, it could be false. They could have four. And maybe <laughs> even that's five. that's true then. They could have Holly Holm. Yep. They could have Carlos Condit. Yep. They could have Donald Cerrone. Yep. They can have John Jones. And, and oh, by the way, five? Arlovsky or Overeem. And now the question is asking you how many will actually be. They could have five. How many are they going to have? Honestly, the the... The tough one to, uh, like, if we were talking about this two weeks ago, the one you'd say, like, well, the toughest one is Holly. They got that one out of the way, right? Carlos beating Robbie, that's not the craziest thing in the world. John beating Daniel, that's not the craziest thing in the world. Cerrone being RDA, not the craziest thing in the world, right? They got the tough one out of the way. It's it's, It's amazing how they went from no champions to, by this, you know, by April 24th, they could have four champions. Crazy. I mean, I think John Jones at this point is, you know, as long as he's got his head on right that that's a pretty safe yeah uh, assumption um condit's definitely live uh against robbie there so is cowboy uh, you're right the, the the hard one is is down so it'd be it's going to be interesting for for that camp uh will ronda's next fight with holly sell more let's say they did the rematch yeah. is it bigger well i'm going to assume it's going to be at ufc 200 that's what they want so if so yes because they'll get the ufc 200 rub and this rub the rematch rub to go back a little bit, what's next for Mark Hunt? Let's go back to uh, Australia. Uh, Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt. Um, Picked up a huge victory, knocked out uh, Bigfoot Silva. Hmm. Well, if Overeem wins, that'd be fun. Even if JDS wins, that'd be fun. It has oh, to yeah. be someone in this, you know, time frame. Um, there's no one really else. Jared Rochalt. I don't know if I want to see that. Uh, so I'll go with the winner of Overeem JDS. That's it. That's it. That's it for today. Okay, I'm running out of time. I got to go, but I have to explain why we weren't uh, weren't here last week. So, uh, tomorrow on MMAfighting.com, everyone loves the walk and talks. It'll be a day in Albuquerque with John Jones. An exclusive interview with John Jones as we talk about everything from the accident, the arrest, the suspension, taking away the belt, the time away, the return. Vitor Belfort, the UFC, Alexander Gustafson, all that, and then some, uh, maybe one of the proudest pieces that, you know, we put together. I'm very excited to share it with the world. I'm very thankful that John Jones would speak to us last week. I was told that he would only talk to us last Wednesday, and I tried to finagle my way to change it and go on Thursday so I could do the show, but I couldn't. 
they wouldn't they they just they they said it was Wednesday and I had to I had to play by those rules so I went I was home for 20 hours after the long trip changed my bag said hi and goodbye to my family and went to Albuquerque and almost missed it because of my connection uh, that's a different story for a different day but we got to spend the whole day with him went to a couple schools with him and you'll see that as well um, a fascinating guy and he appears to be a much different guy and it's a different John Jones you'll see it without giving away too much. Uh, he appears to be in a great place, and uh, he he really was was very honest and truthful, and and it was a it was a true honor to to get to do that first interview, an interview that I had been working to get for since May, so for like six months, a long journey, and I'm excited to uh, to get it out there. So tomorrow morning, MMAfighting.com will have uh, a day in Albuquerque with John Jones, shot last Wednesday over in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, I I think, as I said to a lot of you. I hated missing the show, but this one, this one had to be done. And on top of that, at the gym, we got interviews with Carlos Condit, Overeem, Arlovsky, Dominic Waters, Michelle Watterson, uh, John Dotson. Those interviews coming out later on in the week and next week as well on MMAfighting.com. So we hopefully will make it up to you, and you forgive me, and we're all good, and we got to get 193 out of our system, and now we can move on with our lives, and that's a good thing. And now you can hear my music. Woo! Good to be back. I miss this show so much. I miss doing this show so much because it's the one place where I truly feel like I can just be myself and we can talk and I can have fun and I can be with my guys. And uh, it's just, it's, trust me when I tell you, you can give me crap and that's fine. I know you miss the show, but trust me when I tell you, I miss it more. I miss it more than any of you. And so I'm so happy that people need us and, and, and get excited when the show is on and miss us. I don't do it on purpose. We had a good reason. I hope you recognize now that it was a good reason. Anyway, uh, great to be back. Great to have all of you back in my life. Great to have the MMA Hour back in my life. Thank you so much to Brian Stan for stopping by. Enjoy his insight as always. Thank you very much to Jeff Grammer. That was great stuff from the Albuquerque POV. Thank you very much to Rafael Cordero. Good luck to him. Big fights coming up for the guys over at Kings, and congratulations on the anniversary. Thank you very much to Ben Askren. Best of luck to him. Thank you very much to Punkass of Tap Out Fame. And go check out that documentary. You know, we, we talk about the evolution of the sport, the growth of the sport. I mean, that one has it all, and it's very important for us to remember that as the sport gets bigger and bigger. So, uh, obviously, rest in peace to uh, Charles Masculus. Very nice to me every time I met him. A, a huge, huge influence on the sport and a major player in the sports history. Thank you very much to Kimbo Slice and Mike Imber. Great stuff. Thank you very much to Shannon Knapp. And thank you very much to Michael Bisping. Check out his radio show every Thursday on Sirius XM. Back next week, same time and place. If you missed anything, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff and more. Until then, say peace. So I'm out of here.